All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells, along with our former He's Done It co-host and now recurring guest host, Benjamin Carlson. Ben, welcome back on the podcast. Happy to be here talking about football. I love the sport of football, and I love talking about it here on He's Done It. Yes, we'll be talking lots of football because the NFL regular season has concluded and the playoffs are set to begin this coming weekend. We will talk all things uh, throughout the postseason, give some of our uh, biggest takes, some of the teams that we think are big threats, sleeper candidates, who we think is going to win on Super Wildcard Weekend. We have six games this weekend for the first time ever. And, uh, of course, we'll be giving our Super Bowl predictions. So, Ben, we are very happy to have you join us for this one. And uh, we will also be counting down our top five places that we hope to be able to travel to in 2021. We're coming this year with a lot of optimism. We're just going to put this out there and tell us that uh, things are going to be much better with this pandemic. We have a vaccine around the corner and we'll be uh, good to resume that normal life and get out of our uh, little bubbles that we formed over the past nine months. So with that, let's get started. So happy new year, everyone. It is great to be back and kicking off 2021 of He's Done It. Of course, we are joined by guest host Benjamin Carlson, Brian Wells, as always. And uh, before we get started, Ben, you know, let's just kind of get it away with some of the uh, the, the plugs that we, we like to do uh, in exchange for having you on as a guest host. Oh, well, you know, I would I'm always happy to find time for He's Done It just to straight up talk football, but I am live every Tuesday night on twitch.tv slash affable chat where we do kind of a uh, uh, we, we react to YouTube videos look at funny memes and play some video games as well as uh, my movie review podcast by the same name affable chat where we review movies and sometimes do interviews one of the optimistic things that I'm looking forward to this year if I can do some travel then I can hopefully talk to some interesting people and start doing that again it's been almost a full year since I've had like a real guest on the podcast because I like to do those in person. Um, so looking forward to getting back to that. Yeah, you do have that great in-studio setup. You can see the green screen behind you uh, as, as we're live here on Google Meet. So uh, it definitely would be great if you can continue to put some of those out there. Um, in terms of the Twitch stream, like you said, it's on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this today, it came out, you're going to be able to uh, jump in live on that one. That's right. And actually, if you are listening to this on Tuesday, what will it be? The 6th uh, or the 5th? Yeah, the 5th. Tuesday fifth, the 5th. Yep. Yeah. If you're listening then, uh, tune in tonight because Corey will be on the stream uh, calling in. So yep. uh, you can catch more Talk. of our conversations. 
Yeah, yeah, talking more football. We'll see how that one goes. We'll try to make it a little different than the podcast because oh, the other. Oh, goal I've got is... a plan. It's going to be different okay, content. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, the goal is definitely to get people to listen to the podcast, not just tune into the Twitch stream. And it'll be you know, still no. <laughs> sports content, but I've got a plan yeah. for you, Corey. We'll talk all about right, it after perfect. this. I know we haven't talked about it, so all right, that works. I'm glad that you're doing everything for me. So, all right. Anyway, Brian, you're also here. Uh, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, we, we uh, have the three of us. A uh, great way to start 2021. So uh, with that, let's get into it. The NFL playoff field is now set after the Washington football team defeated the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night football to finish their tumultuous season as only the third team ever to qualify for the playoffs with a losing record in a 16-game season. They'll be taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are back in the playoffs for the first time since 2007, as quarterback Tom Brady is set to play in his first playoff game with the team other than the New England Patriots. The Cleveland Browns have waited even longer to return the postseason, as they are back for the first time since 2002. And for the first time since 1996, the Buffalo Bills will be hosting a playoff game in Western New York as champions of the AFC East. Like the Bills, the Tennessee Titans are back in the playoffs for the third time in the past four seasons, and for the first time in the while as division champs after last winning the AFC South back in 2008. The NFC South has historically been the most unpredictable division in the league, with a different winner every season, but we have recently grown accustomed to the New Orleans Saints finishing on top as they won the NFC South for a division record fourth straight season. The Seattle Seahawks are another team we've gotten used to seeing in the NFC playoff field as they are back in it for the eighth time in nine seasons. But for the first time since 2016, they enter the postseason as NFC West champions. The Baltimore Ravens are also returning to the playoffs for a third straight season, but they will be forced to try to navigate the postseason on the road after failing to win the NFC North for the third year in a row. Who did win the AFC North? That would be the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are back in the postseason after a two-year drought. They'll be joined by the Los Angeles Rams, the Chicago Bears, and the Indianapolis Colts, who all returned to the playoffs after falling just short in 2019. Finally, the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs are once again the number one seed in the AFC, and they have the inside track to hosting their third consecutive AFC championship game. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers have earned the NFC's top seed for the first time since 2011 and have a shot to host their first NFC Championship game since Rodgers was still backing up Brett Favre way back in 2007. 14 teams are set to battle it out on the road to Super Bowl 55 in Tampa, but only one will come out on top as NFL champions. And I hope that you guys are uh, very excited about the NFL playoffs after that. That was great, Corey. I uh, I thought of that just in my head last night, trying to you know fall asleep, and uh, it definitely didn't help thinking that. I was like, all right, I got to write this down and get that out there. <laughs> and uh, I think that that's a, uh, a good way to kind of talk about the uh, NFL playoffs this year because we have a lot of teams that are in the playoffs for the first time in a while, maybe hosting a playoff game for the first time in a while. Some teams that are high up in the the standings for the first time in a while, maybe their first time winning the division or even their first time in a wild card spot after winning the division in a long time. We definitely have a postseason that is uh, 
Maybe not something that a lot of us would have predicted to start the year. And before we talk about the playoffs, let's kind of get into some of our predictions before the season. We did have Ben on for our 2020 NFL season preview episode. And uh, I don't know about you guys. I definitely had a lot of bad takes compared to good ones. So I guess let's kind (laughs) of start this out there. Maybe we can try to start with some of the positives, but uh, I could definitely see this quickly turning negative based on some of the things that uh, we said back in September. So Ben, you're the, you're the guest. Why don't you tell us some of the things that you nailed? All right. Some of my best takes. Well, um, some of these range from great takes to like lukewarm like safe takes that ended up being true but one of them is philip rivers can still sling it uh there was some controversy between uh whether or not he would help the colts uh he would be a good direction for the colts to go whether he still had a year uh or more left in him um i was definitely a firm believer in philip rivers and i think he he showed this year um that he can still at least be a starting quarterback in this league uh, and lead his team to the postseason, as well as DeForest Buckner being an impact player for the Colts. Um, one of my, you could call it a bad take or a good take, I said that Chase Young will be an impact player for the Redskins, which the bad part of that take is I should have said foot, Washington football team, but the good part of that take is he was an impact player. Uh, he's He's been amazing. Uh, he's lived up to the hype. Uh, he's been the this year's Nick Bosa and... Uh, uh, you know, I think everyone could probably see that coming, but I said it out loud, so I get credit. Um, <laughs> I also doubted the the Bears and uh, on their um, over under prediction for their uh, wins this season. I predicted under eight point five wins, which ended up hitting close, but I they only got eight wins, and I predicted the Chiefs over. 11.5 wins, which again, felt super safe uh, and it ended up being true. But now getting to probably the 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 takes I'm most proud of, uh, the, the riskiest ones, the ones where I was almost laughed off the podcast for even implying could potentially be true, uh, which is Baker Mayfield having a comeback year. And I actually said specifically, I said the Browns would make the playoffs, but I said specifically the seven seed they ended up even doing even better than that. So um, I felt I definitely feel redeemed now that I uh, get to see the the Browns, even though they almost didn't uh, make the playoffs uh, at the end of this year. Yeah, that was definitely something that Brian and I did not correctly predict uh, when it came to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we were both very down on Baker Mayfield and his team. Uh, so hey, congrats to you for getting that one right. And that is one where like. Throughout the offseason, I was very much like, you know, I think that the Browns are actually going to make the playoffs. But in the heat of the moment, I decided to to go against my better judgment. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it def- definitely came back to bite me when you talk about <laughs> good versus bad predictions. Well, do you guys uh, remember what you said about the quarterback job in yeah, Cleveland? I said that it'd be Case Keenum. Well, Corey said it, and then I just totally I did. jumped on yeah, board. Yeah, I that. said Case Keenum would replace Baker Mayfield. Did he not come in for Baker Mayfield in week six against the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers? Like, I, I nailed that take. No, uh, you know, it was um, who's there? Uh, who's the coach that you guys associated Kevin with? Him? Yeah, Stefanski. Um, yeah. And you guys had me convinced, honestly, in that moment. I was like, oh, man, that's totally going to happen. <laughs> but it didn't. So You I, know, <laughs> I think that he would have been ready to go to him if uh, Baker didn't perform well. But 
you know, Baker had that. He was injured against the Steelers, so like it only kind of counts. It it was a blowout, but it was uh, it was something I felt much better about that <laughs> turned out to not really be. I, accurate I think at I all. think I should have realized that the Browns are a very talented team, and all they really needed was just someone else for a head coach, and they would be at least in the playoff hunt. And not only were they in the playoff hunt, they made the playoffs. Well, what about some good takes from you guys? Uh, so for me, I think my best ones were, so in terms of the over under, uh, I think my best take was under, I think it was seven and a half for the New York jets. It was six or seven and a half, which I know sounds absurd. Like really the jets had that for an over under. And I was not, uh, at all on board with them even coming close to that. So I took the under for the jets, uh, in terms of my just best overall quote-unquote bold call uh some people didn't think it was, i think Corey uh didn't think it was really that bold I, I i think people around new england thought it was bold but that uh i i didn't think the patriots were going to be any i thought they'd be a mediocre team like around seven to nine or eight and eight and not make the playoffs and uh they look for the first month of the season they look like they actually had some potential uh and but after once they lost to Denver in I think week six, it, it was just downhill from there, and uh, the too many too many of the veterans uh, opted out because of COVID, and uh, the, just not a good enough roster. Even with the bad quarterback play from Cam, it's not even just that. There are a lot of holes on their team, and uh, I'm I'm not super confident in their future uh, beyond this year. No, do you want me to go no, on my, my bad takes or? No, I, I mean I I have a a couple good ones. Like, okay. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think I I had a a lot of takes that maybe I didn't throw out that I kind of wish I did uh, because some of the ones I threw out were not very good. Um, I know that I guess for over under, I think my best one was just barely getting under Bengals five. They finished four eleven and one. So that tie against the Eagles worked out for me. Um I did say TJ Watt defensive player of the year. I know Ben's at Aaron Donald. It's gonna be one of those two. Watt has the better stats. I think he's going to end up winning regardless. He was at least in the conversation and should be top two. And to be clear, um, I said Aaron Donald because I was like because he'll probably win it. And like it's the yeah. safest choice you could. Yeah, you just could to make. be able to get something out there. I mean, that, that's fair. I I think uh, I went too bold on some of mine. Um, I said T, uh, Chase Young, defensive rookie of the year. Uh, I don't know how that's actually going to turn out, but like Ben said, we we were both high on Chase Young, uh, so I think that that was a, a solid prediction and. I don't know if this really counts as a prediction, but I did say that Josh Allen was under the most pressure to perform this year and that if he performed well, the Bills would be very good and they wound up finishing 13-3 and and he was, uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to realistically win MVP because he had a cold stretch in October, but he's to the point where he was in the MVP conversation the whole year, so... All right. Well, I mean, that, wanna... that's really all I have for good ones. <laughs> I have more bad ones. <laughs> well, I want to lead off the worst takes because I just have to get this off my chest. Um, 
And this wasn't actually in our season preview episode. This is from our draft episode. And I said Justin Herbert was going to be a bust. I didn't just say that he was going to be a bust. I said he was going to be the next Trubisky. And I don't know if it's possible to be wronger than I was. So (laughs) I I just have to eat crow and say that Justin Herbert is the real deal. And I was completely off the mark. You said the Chargers had the worst draft class of any team, which at the time I was like, that is such a ridiculous take. Like no matter how low you feel on Justin Herbert and he, uh, he certainly proved you wrong as he's, uh, very much in the running for offensive rookie of the year. seems like the Chargers have a pretty good guy as a, their franchise quarterback. Definitely. I mean, I'll, I'll admit I wasn't totally sold either. I didn't, I didn't go that far, but I, I wasn't a huge believer and I mean, nothing that really stood out for me personally, just other than the fact that he was. I don't know, there at Oregon all those years. And I didn't, he was always a name that was popping up in drafts, but I, I don't, didn't really feel like, uh, I was really sold on, uh, if I were a team taking him. So I can sort of join Ben in that group. You you can sort of, but I think there's a, you keep a 30 foot pole between me and you because (laughs) it's, well, I, I just think it, um, helped me to realize that I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. You know, I can listen to other analysts who pretend to know what they're talking about, but I truly don't. Um, and I think that this is just a prime example of that. Another time that I thought I had a solid uh, take, but it ended up being way off was thinking that the Texans could win over seven and a half games this year. And my reasoning is still solid. I was like, they've got Deshaun Watson. That's all they need. Deshaun Watson is a great quarterback. One of the best in the entire league. He's the passing yards champion this year uh, in the league. He has uh, the fi- he finished with the fifteenth highest quarterback rating of all time uh, this this season. He's a great quarterback, but it's not enough to undo how bad that team is mismanaged. And uh, I missed by three and a half games, so it wasn't even remotely close on that one. Um, oh, another bad take was thinking that the Buccaneers would win the NFC South. Uh, they were close, but still definitely didn't. And then this one is close to the of Her- Justin Herbert level of poor prediction. But I I predicted 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl and the 49ers finished last place in the NFC West. Uh, so it's it tw- they have the 12th pick in the draft. They're pretty far away from Super Bowl uh, when all the dust has settled. Well, speaking of Super Bowl predictions. Uh, you might have picked the Niners to make the Super Bowl, and that did not go well. I'm just going to stick with one team in terms of what my bad takes were, and that's the Dallas Cowboys and <laughs> oh, just yeah. how atrocious they were from even even before Dak got hurt. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's a big part of why Dallas stunk this year is that Dak got hurt and yeah. it was over from there. But even before Dak got hurt, they still didn't look that great, and it was most it was mostly because their defense is just yeah it was it was like literally dead last defense. in a lot of cag- like historically bad defense in the Dallas yes. Cowboys yeah i mean i i didn't see that coming either i wasn't as high on the cowboys as you were but i was definitely very high on the cowboys this yeah. year and dax dax injury didn't do him any favors but i also i don't know if i said it i would have said Andy Dalton could win 10 games for the cowboys and that that uh, definitely did not happen either what are you guys talking about? They almost won their division. See, that's see, that's the funny <laughs> no. part about it is that even though I was dead wrong in the Cowboys, week seventeen, just just yesterday, 
uh, they were still in it for the division and to make the playoffs. But of course, that did not happen. And and what's funny about that is that even though Jason Garrett is not in Dallas anymore, he's still forcing Dallas miss, to miss the playoffs. Even he, he can... didn't even occur to me, but <laughs> that is that is kind of. I mean, you know, to be fair, is way more than just Jer- Jason Garrett and the Giants in the end, and the Cowboys kind of got lucky losing that game rather than costing draft position for no reason. But uh, yeah, he, he did continue to, to burn them one last time. Well, s- since we we're talking about the NFC East, can I quickly get you guys' opinion on the coaching decisions that were made last night on Sunday Night Football to pull uh, Jalen Hurts out of the game, seemingly to force the, uh, the, yeah. the, Redsky- or the uh, Washington football team into the playoffs? You know, I, I was kind of thinking this might come up at some point later in the uh the episode but yeah we can get right into it i think it was i mean i okay so from an eagles perspective i get the idea of tanking i get why eagles fans would be okay with that but from the actual players perspective i just i think it's ridiculous and it's the reason why you never see tanking in the nfl because these guys are playing on uh not fully guaranteed contracts they're guys who can suffer one injury and that's it or you know they lose this one game and then they have no chance to make a roster next year so uh, i think it's pretty ridiculous from that perspective uh I guess in terms of the Giants being upset, it's like, yeah, I get you also being upset I mean, at the you, same you time. Won you won six, six games. <laughs> you have no right yeah, to be mad. So like, <laughs> Win more games. No, That's but what no, I would say. I, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of Doug Peterson's decision to do that, and uh, I, I can certainly talk more about that if we really want to get into yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of that decision whatsoever. And Well, I guess the one part... Of, part i like about it is that the eagles lost and they look stupid and the giants didn't get in because i was i was rooting for washington in that game just a lot of that because of alex smith and ron Rivera and what all what those guys have gone through this year and especially alex smith having 17 surgeries and possibly needing an amputation and, and then all of a sudden did you see did you see the trophy his wife made out of his uh like all the hardware that was on i his did leg? not know no. She made like she yeah, got them like a Lombardi bent. trophy. Yeah, it's like it looks like the Lombardi trophy. Oh. Like it, the top is like bent into like the shape of a football, mm-hmm. and then and it's all nuts and bolts and pieces of metal that were used to secure his leg together. It's pretty badass. And and honestly, the the Washington football team making the postseason is uh, like with Alex Smith leading them is kind of like the feel good story of the NFC. Yeah, East. E- so he should win comeback player of the year and. So from an Eagles standpoint, though, if if I were an Eagles fan, yeah, I would I would have hated that move so much. And I mean, I mean, Nate Sudfeld yeah. is clearly not a NFL, uh, good NFL caliber quarterback, and he's being brought in the fourth quarter in a three point game. And if if you were getting your butt kicked, I would get it, and you want to bring him in for some snaps. But it's a it's a close game, and I know the Eagles gain really nothing from it, but it's still a close game. You should be competitive, and I know Jalen Hurts wasn't great in terms of his completion percentage, but he's still the guy that gives you the best chance to win, especially since Wentz wasn't even dressed for the game. So, yeah, that made, that move made no sense, and I still hate to this day that the Eagles beat the Patriots in this role, especially with that with Doug Peterson leading their <laughs> leading their team with that stupid visor he has. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you can make the argument that Jalen Hurts wasn't exactly playing the best football game, but he did have, didn't he have two rushing touchdowns at that point? Yeah, he, like, he had. He was contributing to the offense. Yeah, he obviously wasn't contributing in terms of, uh, in terms of an aerial attack th- through the air, but he, he was still running the ball pretty well. And like you said, had two rushing touchdowns in that, in that game. But but um in say and like in terms of tanking, it makes me think about when the Jets beat the Rams because it was their first win of the season and it put the number one pick in real jeopardy. Um, but if you think about the perspective of the players, nobody wants to go zero sixteen. You don't care that this team might get Trevor Lawrence next season. You you might not be on the team. What you care about a lot is of those guys there. wouldn't. Yeah, and what you care about is going out there and getting that win today. The win that you practiced all week to prepare for. The the win that you tr- uh, like decided you were going to try to get every single week when you first joined this team. And, and it's so I feel so good for players who like for the Jets uh, players in that situation because they were the only people who wanted them to win. Not even the fans wanted them to win. So the Jets literally had to, they were the only ones supporting themselves. And, I, and I, I'm just happy for them. And I'm happy when they're given a chance to do that and to rob these Eagle players of the final moments of their season. Potentially some of these guys' end of their career maybe. Uh, to rob them of, of a competitive game is, uh, yeah, criminal. I, I totally disagree with Doug Peterson. So I agree with you from a yeah, Jets I mean- standpoint in terms of the competitive part of trying to win a football game. Uh, but one thing I do disagree with you on is that I was rooting for the Jets in that game. That way, Trevor Lawrence isn't a quarterback in the AFC East for the next <laughs> 10 or 15 years. But I will say, I, I know this is kind of off topic. Uh, I don't watch a lot of college football, but I did watch the Sugar Bowl. And I don't think the Jets are sweating or Jets organization is sweating it that much because Justin Fields looked pretty good in that game. So, uh, So I don't think the Jets are sweating it too much now. But 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 who knows? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right, we uh, we definitely got a little sidetracked yeah. there. I still haven't given my worst takes, which might not be a bad thing, given how bad some of them were. Uh, so I'll, I'll just jump right into that, and I, I'm sure that there will be some others you guys can bring up. So uh, how about I start off with the, uh, I guess, well, agreeing with Ben, first of all, and liking the Texans. I said the Texans would win the AFC South, and that obviously did not come close to happening. I did not expect the DeAndre Hopkins loss to be as detrimental as it was. And, uh, you know, maybe there's hope with Bill O'Brien out of there that they can restart, but not having a first and second round pick does not uh, bode well for their immediate future and uh in terms of a another team i was wildly wrong about in addition to the browns making the playoffs i also said the packers would miss the playoffs so <laughs> they want to be in the number one seed in the nfc and that was another one where it was like cleveland where i was like i'm either gonna say they're gonna be terrible and miss the playoffs or aaron Rodgers is gonna come out on fire and he's gonna have an mvp caliber season to go to the super bowl i went in the totally wrong direction on that one in the end so uh, definitely disappointed myself on that one. Um, I guess lesser ones. I said the Rams under nine and that the Cardinals would make the playoffs. Uh, it almost kind of came close at the end there, but uh, the Cardinals in week 17 couldn't even beat John Walford for the Rams. So <laughs> LA, they uh, they definitely proved that you know maybe they'll be in tough shape as some of their, their contracts become a bigger deal down the road, but they're not there yet. And uh, Arizona's not there yet. They, they, they need to figure things out. They had a really disappointing collapse at the end of the season. They, were, the playoffs. they were so promising at the beginning of the season. And um, it's... 
this is the payback they get for giving the 49ers a like temporary home is that the 49ers yeah. beat them <laughs> yeah. and end up playing a big part in preventing them from making the postseason. So yeah, um, it's just crazy how bad they were after that Hale Murray. Like they were just yeah. in such great shape, and then the wheels fell off after that. Um, and then of course the the worst take that I made, probably the worst take anyone could make, one that I did to be fair say is going to end up horribly and blowing up in my face, <laughs> uh, was Drew Locke for MVP. Oh my god! And like immediately, <laughs> you know, it's like that. if I said Kyler Murray for MVP, that at least would have looked like okay at some points early in the season. But uh, you know, I thought that second year quarterback streak would continue, and I uh, was definitely wrong about that. It's uh, it's not going to be Drew Locke for MVP, and I don't know if Drew Locke's even be the quarterback of the Broncos next year. So that's all I have to up. throw out. <laughs> Well, when you set it up, it was good delivery uh, at the very least. Oh, yeah. you made us think you Thank were going to say Kyler Murray, and we yep. had a good laugh when you said Drew yep. Locke. I know. I know. Those are, those are, yeah. those are three really bad takes. Uh, Justin, Justin Herbert be, will become Mitchell Trubis, Trubisky. The Dallas Cowboys will, will go to the Super Bowl, <laughs> and they finish 6-10, and 10, and then Drew Locke for uh, MVP. But yeah, uh, listeners, uh, come and check us out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, well, I can only imagine uh, what we're going to say about the playoffs. And, hey, let's uh, let's get into that. It is the reason we're here today. So let's, uh, let's start off by talking about the number one seeds because this season you have seven playoff teams. Uh, the first time we've experienced that. And because they added another team, you took away the bye. So getting that one seed is, is uh, much more coveted, although – in the uh, the year of the coronavirus where home field advantage isn't necessarily a thing, it's maybe not as big of a deal, but it still does allow Kansas City and Green Bay some rest. So let's start with the Chiefs. And they finished 14-2. and two. They lost to the Chargers in Week 17, playing a lot of their starters. Uh, throughout the season, the general consensus was that they were the best team in the league the defending super bowl champs pretty much as soon as they beat the baltimore ravens in week three there weren't a whole lot of people that were coming down on that one especially uh when the steelers lost were no longer undefeated and the chiefs took over the one seed in the afc which they ultimately finished with so uh, i think you know it's fair to say that they are the favorites to at least advance to the super bowl in the afc so given that who do you guys think is the biggest threat to stopping the Chiefs uh, from getting back to the Super Bowl? Um, I'm going to go with the Bills. I actually, um, just looking at the Chiefs all season long, we, yeah, it's like you have a lot of confidence in the Chiefs, but at d- different times during the game, they're, they're like, kind of inconsistent like when you look at the Chiefs final score it's like oh they dropped 30 points on these guys that was easy win but uh if you take a look at something like the Falcons game it can sometimes take them a long time to actually get going but here's the thing they have that explosive playmaking ability where they can make up uh for two quarters of terrible play in three plays you know and uh the answer to beating that is being able to dump points on them for four quarters and i think that the bills are the type of team who know how to leave their foot on the gas uh they've dropped huge point totals on a lot of teams this year uh and 
when Josh Allen is like when he's on it, uh, he's dang near unstoppable. So I think that if anybody can, you know, lay the beat down while the Chiefs are loafing about and then continue to lay the beat down when the Chiefs get their act together, I think it could be the Bills. I will also agree with Ben. I will also say the Bills. Uh, if I remember earlier in the year, I don't think Corey and I actually uh, talked about this, but I remember in our in one of the scripts, uh, Corey put for a burning question: Are the Bills a Super Bowl caliber caliber team? Are they a Super Bowl caliber team? And I would have said no in the middle of the year, but the way they're rolling right now, I'm I'm definitely a believer in how how good they are, and they can definitely go as far as at least. I, I I can I can see him definitely making the AFC Championship game, and potentially versus the Chiefs. They they've scored a hundred and forty two points in their last three games. Now, granted, maybe some of that's not great competition, but that's still really really good. And Josh Allen, uh, I think deserves to. I don't I don't think he's going to win MVP, but I think he deserves to be second in the race behind Rodgers at this point. And he's been awesome. And Josh Allen really improved his completion percentage uh, from his first couple of years because he was not an accurate thrower. He had all he's had all the physical tools. He's big. He's fast. He can make at times he can make uh, the impossible throws, but he's never been a accurate, really accurate passer of the football until this year. And he's been tremendous. So I uh, and another thing, uh, Corey can probably uh, might disagree with me a little bit on this, but I I feel like the Steelers. I'm I'm lower on him than on the Steelers uh, than he is. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to say the Steelers stink, but they are definitely trending. They definitely trended down uh, as the year has gone on. That one thing that would give me a little bit of hope for the Steelers is that game versus week 16 versus the Colts uh, in the second half when they were losing by, I think three touchdowns in that game or around that. And they were able to come back and show that, that they're still a good team and still someone still a team that they should, uh, Still a team to be reckoned with, so I think I still think the Bills are uh, the biggest threat to the to the Chiefs, though. So I think the uh, the Bills feel like the easy answer here. You guys bringing up all those points, they're scoring all these points in recent weeks. They blew out the Dolphins in Week 17. They blew out the Patriots in Week 16. Uh, they're they're coming in the playoffs hot. And one point that Ben made was how the Chiefs were kind of sleepwalking through games. That's something that a lot of people said. And like throughout the season, it's like, all right, the Chiefs aren't dominating anybody. That was a knock against the Steelers. They weren't blowing out bad teams. The Chiefs weren't doing the same thing. The Steelers beat the Cowboys. Everyone's talking about how they barely beat them. And on the same day, the Chiefs barely beat the Panthers. And it's just like that was kind of the theme throughout the season. Barely beating Denver. Barely beating Atlanta, like you said. Uh, But... They have those explosive weapons, and it feels like if the Chiefs really were just kind of messing around in the regular season, saving up for the playoffs, that they should be able to outscore anybody. That if the Bills come out and score 35 points, the Chiefs are going to come out and score 42. Or maybe the Titans with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, the same kind of thing. And the Titans definitely don't have a great defense. The Bills' defense is kind of iffy. It wasn't as great as it was last year. They have some stars there. I think uh, injuries definitely caught up to them at, at various points throughout the season. Weren't they the victims and of the uh, uh, Hale Murray? They were. They were the victims of the Hale Murray. I mean, that's that's a, a play, just really bad, bad breakdown on defense. And uh, I think that just for those two reasons, it just to me, the way I see it is 
Kansas City is going to outscore out of those teams. So the teams that I'm looking at are teams that can slow down the Chiefs offense, even when it's supposed to be at its best. And for that reason, I don't want to do this because I know it's going to come back to bite me, but I just I feel like the Steelers defense is so far and away the best in the AFC, given that they had 56 sacks and next best was 40 by any playoff contender in the AFC. They took the ball away more than uh, just about anyone in the league. Dolphins are the only one that had more and they didn't make the playoffs. It feels like if you're going to beat the Chiefs, this key is to stop them from scoring. I don't trust the Steelers offense. The reality is I don't think any team is going to beat the Chiefs. I know the Steelers offense has looked decently well in the second half of their last three games, but that was after playing very poorly in the first half of the last three games. So uh, it's tough for me to kind of look at the Steelers and say they realistically can beat the Chiefs. Uh, That being said, there is another team that I do kind of feel high on, but I want to get to them later in a different section. So I'm just going to say Pittsburgh for now, but no, I'm not predicting the Steelers beat the Chiefs. I absolutely do not think that any of these teams uh, should go in feeling confident. I don't think the Chiefs should be afraid to play anybody. I don't know that they should necessarily be rooting for a certain opponent because uh, the reality is I think that all of these teams have some ways of beating them, but it's it's very very little chance in the end. Yeah, even though I said the Bills, uh, I I don't know if they they can actually beat the Chiefs or not. I, I think they can get there, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. Honestly, I, what I want to say is that the the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC is the Chiefs. If they yeah, decide, if, it, if they have one of these games where they don't show up till the second half, or or you know they get let themselves get buried, then that you know you can almost blame it on them for just failing to show up because if mm-hmm. everything's going right if the chiefs are playing like they sh- they know how to play we've seen them play yeah they should win every time come on they would have to have a performance yep. like they did versus houston in a divisional game in the first quarter or for, uh or most of that first half where they're down 24 nothing just like that and and they're facing a team like like yeah like pittsburgh where uh, they can stop them uh on de- on defense <laughs> and they're not facing a, a terrible team like Houston. So and we'll see. All right. So let's uh, shift to the NFC. And I think in the NFC, it's a little less clear in terms of who the like number one team is. But the Green Bay Packers do have home field advantage throughout the playoffs as a number one seed. Home field advantage maybe doesn't mean everything this season, but... The frozen tundra at Lambeau Field in January certainly gives them a home field advantage unlike most. So that being said, who do you guys think is the biggest threat stopping Green Bay from getting to the Super Bowl, a place that they came up just short last season? I think it'd be way too easy to say New Orleans. I mean, of course, they're the two seed and they've had a decent amount of playoff success over the years even though they've had some failures they've always been a team that's been talked about of winning a Super Bowl and this is potentially Drew Brees' last year and Kamara has been amazing this year and they'll be getting Michael Thomas back off from IR Um, so we'll see if he'll be healthy for the playoffs or not and uh, even though Emmanuel Sanders is also almost done with his career he's still he's still producing at a decent level and I very good uh number two receiver on their team so for it'd be easy for me to say the Saints uh it, but I also worry about them in cold weather I think Corey and I talked about this a few weeks ago where I don't know if 
a team like that that plays in a dome or the South for basically almost their entire schedule. I, I don't know if that is a recipe for success in against Green Bay at Green Bay at Lambeau and super cold weather. So this, I'm going to give a a super sneaky answer. I don't. Now, before before I say it, I'm I don't think they'll beat the Packers if they were to make the next round, but I think Tampa possibly uh could could make a run at it uh if if they continue what they've been doing the past month or so. Now, granted, again, their schedule was super easy in December, but they did outplay the Packers in their meet their one matchup. It was probably the worst game the Packers have played all season and some of that maybe maybe had to do with the Packers, but some of that I think was because of Tampa's d- great defense, and I think Tom Brady is certainly motivated to win a Super Bowl without uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and he's great in cold weather, and they didn't have AB uh, in, in that game as well, and they got him in the second half of the season, and he's been producing. So, again, I don't think it'll actually happen if they were to face each other. I think I, w- I would still take Green Bay, but... Uh, at the same time, I there's a wide range of possibilities for Tampa. They could easily lose in the first round of Washington, but they could also make a run at it. So I'll go with Tampa. Yeah, I am actually going to echo you, um, Brian, because I I like Tampa's situation as well. The biggest caveat to that being obviously um, Green Bay in the snow. Like I trust Aaron Rodgers in a like a a bad weather situation in Lambeau more than I trust any other NFC quarterback. So um, it, it, home field advantage, I think still could be huge for them, even without a big crowd. That being said, um, if the weather isn't as big of an, uh, you know, a factor, I think that Tom Brady, he's got an embarrassment of weapons. This is Mr. Postseason. This is the guy who's gotten it done in the postseason more than anybody else ever. And he's got, they never make it this easy on Tom Brady by giving him these kind of uh, targets to throw at. Do we know uh, Mike Evans's health? So yeah, there's no structural damage uh, for his injury and he's day to day for now. So it's questionable for this week, but maybe he'll lean towards playing the see how the week goes. Yeah. You're right. So, but if they're playing the Packers, there's a chance that there's Brown Godwin and Evans. Uh, And listen, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have been, their 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 minds have been linked all season long. It's been amazing to watch those guys play. It's it's almost like you can't stop it. But they, I mean, Tom Brady may not have a Devonte Adams, but he's got a Brown, he's got a Godwin, he's got an Evans. I think that if it ends up being a shootout, Tom Brady can stay uh, in there with Aaron Rodgers, and I I think the Buccaneers could be that biggest threat to the Packers. All right. Well, you guys are kind of forcing my hand once again here. Um, So I do want to throw out a couple stats before I get too far into this. The Green Bay Packers turned the ball over 11 times in 16 games this season. That is the fewest by any team in the entire league and easily the fewest in the NFC. The uh, next two closest are the Saints and the Buccaneers at 17 giveaways. That being said, takeaways, the Green Bay Packers didn't do that much better as they only took away 18 times in 16 games. That is a number tied with the Chicago Bears and only ahead of non-playoff teams in Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Denver, Las Vegas, Detroit, and Houston. So I think that the key to beating the Green Bay Packers is being able to 
force some of those rare turnovers because the Green Bay Packers aren't that great at taking away the ball themselves. You look at their three losses against the Bucs. They had zero takeaways while turning the ball over twice. Against the Vikings, zero takeaways, turning the ball over once. Against the Colts, they took it away twice, but they turned it over four times. So to me, you got to find a team who's able to take away the ball and also be smart with it. They can't give it right back. And two teams fit that profile, the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was kind of hoping you guys would both say the Saints and I'd be like, oh, the Bucs, like Corey's taking Brady to beat the Packers. But I don't want us to be identical this entire episode. Uh, so <laughs> for the same reason why I said Pittsburgh over Buffalo, I'm going to say New Orleans over Tampa. And here's the thing. Last year, I would have said New Orleans Saints, I don't think they can go into Lambeau and win a playoff game in January. The game would have been at 6.40 p.m. if they beat the Vikings. I don't know what the weather turned out to be, but I have not trusted that Saints team. But Drew Brees isn't throwing the ball downfield anyway. They're winning with a more of a shorter game. And as long as Alvin Kamara returns healthy from the COVID list and uh, is able to come back and play like himself, then I think that the Saints can absolutely keep up with the Packers and that they can beat them. So uh, to me, I don't know if I would necessarily pick either of those teams to win in Lambeau. I think both of them have very reasonable shots. And just to be different, I'm going to say New Orleans. But no, I was ready to say Tampa because Tom Brady, because they beat the Packers. And uh, the, the That's Saints funny. I was, gonna, <laughs> I was saying the Saints, but I wanted to say just to be different, <laughs> I'm going to go with Tampa. And then you say <laughs> vice versa. Oh, just to be different. Instead of Tampa, I'm going to go New Orleans. I honestly, I I went straight to the Buccaneers. That's I was, that's yeah. exactly how I feel. I, I was actually expecting you to d- demolish us with like statistics and logic, saying like, here's exactly why the Buccaneers can't win in Lambo. I was expecting the same um, thing but too. It, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I that's the thing is like, as for what forty six players or however many minus one, like yeah, it makes sense that uh, maybe they aren't built to win there. But I mean, Tom Brady has his fair share of playoff wins and terrible weather, so. Um, you know, if anyone can figure it out, I think it would be him. I hope we get to see it at the very least. It would be it's a victory for the viewers if we get to see Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau. Agreed. So I guess, you know, we can stick with, uh, you know, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and uh, at least a team that fits in that category. Who is a wild card team five through seven seed that you think is most likely to make a run to the Super Bowl? I mean, obviously the Buccaneers, right? Yeah, I I would also say the Buccaneers. But if you do want a second team, I would I would say Baltimore, just because I have no faith in the Bears. Of course, I've already said a million times how much I don't like Trubisky. The Rams, even though I don't like Goff, it hurts that they don't have Goff and they have Walford. I know he won. I know he beat the Cardinals, but I I still think that's that does not help uh, their chances in the playoffs versus Seattle and then the Colts I know Jonathan Taylor has been has been uh, a freak lately but I I don't know I don't I don't know if I love their chances uh, at Buffalo and then the Browns yes they have ma- they made the playoffs and they have plenty of talent but I uh, I I don't even know if they could make it out of the wild card card round as well in a bad matchup versus Pittsburgh I don't think they match up well versus Pittsburgh at all and I think it'll be like a repeat of what we... I know they literally beat them yesterday, but that was without Big Ben and a lot of other key starters, and they barely barely squeaked it out at home. And so I... Uh, so, but the Ravens, I I can see them in a shootout with the Titans. And I know the Titans have gotten their number the past couple of times they've, meet, they've faced each other, but I can see the Ravens 
pulling a quote-unquote is, is it even an upset like, or they might even be favored i'm not even sure uh, they're favored okay, over so Tennessee. yeah it's not even an upset so uh besides the bucks like i would say the bucks out of those teams but to be different i'll for the next best uh team i would say baltimore and if they were to be tennessee they'd likely face casey which would obviously be a, a difficult matchup but who knows that could be another shootout that's comes down to the wire as well so for the sake of the question i'll say so, yeah after tampa i um if i were to take teams from both conferences i would certainly say tampa out of the nfc but i alluded to this earlier when we were talking about threats to the chiefs i wanted to save them for this and that is the baltimore ravens and i think that it's easy to kind of forget just how great the ravens are because they had that poor stretch early in the season where they lost four out of five games they they lost a close one to the steelers they lost to the patriots and like horrific weather in foxborough they lost to the titans in overtime then they lost to the steelers with their their COVID squad on the field uh, but then they've won five in a row since then. I know it hasn't been against the greatest competition. They beat the Browns in an awesome 47-42 shootout. Every other team, it's been Dallas, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, the Giants, teams that are uh, outside the playoffs, lost 10 or more games this season. But they still have the talent that can compete with any team in the league on both sides of the ball. So their first game is against the Tennessee Titans, a team that we saw run all over the Ravens literally run all over Ravens Earl Thomas in that game. Uh, 28 to 12 victory for Tennessee. Ran him in out Baltimore, of Baltimore. Yes. And Baltimore lost to Tennessee this season. So if Baltimore can go out on Sunday, beat the Titans, exercise those demons, Lamar Jackson has his own playoff demons. If he can right the ship in that first game, then there's no reason for me to believe that the Ravens can't continue to do that. That Lamar Jackson can't get the best of Patrick Mahomes. That Lamar Jackson can't get the best of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense uh, or whoever they'd end up facing down the road. So to me, I think that Baltimore is the team where you're looking at someone that's kind of a sneaky pick uh, as the six seed or the five seed in the AFC, maybe a team that's kind of forgotten with some of those other ones out there. Uh, they're a team for me. I don't want it to happen. I certainly don't. I certainly don't want either Baltimore or Tampa, but the reality is those are the only two wildcard teams that realistically have a Super Bowl chance. And uh, Yeah. Well, I love know, how I, like, I, it's like, which of the five through seven seeds do you think will have the best chance? Uh, both five seeds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, maybe uh, if Jared Goff plays the Rams, right? They uh, that, what's that the, Yeah, Rams what's the likelihood offense? of that happening? It sounds like he's yeah, not going to play. It's yeah. turning towards unlikely. That's why, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, it, yeah. It, it, I'm not super excited about the Bears or the Rams prospects. Uh, they're just kind of participation trophies. You made the playoffs. Congrats, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I think the five seed in the NFC is as far as I go is for a chance of a championship. Now let's move on though and talk about some of the uh, teams and players that are under the most pressure to succeed this postseason. Let's start off with teams. Well, I think the Steelers are under a lot of pressure to win this postseason because, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that the entire team was ready to crown themselves Super Bowl champions by the end of week 11 uh, or, or week 12, right? Because they had their bye week before that. But um, they had a lot of swagger and they were the last undefeated team. And then they got, you know, quote unquote, exposed on a three game losing streak. And, I think if the Steelers can't produce this postseason, then the narrative will be 
worst 11 and 0 team of all time. So what they're they're going up against potential embarrassment uh, because of their success. So I think that as a team, they all, especially Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, are, are under a lot of pressure to perform this postseason and get some wins. And I don't even know if people will give them like, oh, okay, like they are actually worth it. It's just going to be to avoid the ridicule that would be inevitable in an early playoff exit. Uh, I'm going to go with the Saints just because of how many times they've failed in the postseason with the Minneapolis miracle and losing to the Rams in the FC championship game. And yes, that had a lot, a lot of that had to do with the refs, but they also did get the ball back uh, first in the overtime and breeze through the interception. And then they choked against the Vikings uh, again in in another overtime loss uh, at the uh, Superdome. And I, and this is also Breeze's probably last chance of winning a Super Bowl because at, after this year, it looks like Taysom is probably going to take over, uh, assuming Breeze does uh, retire or if they, if Sean Payton and the rest of the Saints organization believes Taysom and wants to move on with him. And so I know it's probably more pressure in terms of one person uh, than anything in, in Drew Breeze, but it's I still also feel like there's a lot of pressure on the Saints to finally get over the hump and trying to actually get to the Super Bowl and not choke and 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 finally win one again because at every me including myself everyone talks about how great the Saints are and how how, how they're gonna this is finally the year and they end up choking and I they got to turn that narrative around I feel like so I'm gonna go with the Saints. I think those are both great answers. Uh, been talking about the Steelers I think if you look at it from just a 2020 perspective uh, based on where the Steelers started the season where they are now there's absolutely a ton of pressure for that team to succeed and I disagree with the, the idea that they were crowning themselves Super Bowl champions uh, oh I'm specifically uh, but, I'm specifically referring to Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on opposing teams logos on TikTok before you know the game. I don't know how much of that has to do with him thinking he's Super Bowl champion versus him just trying to build his social media following and have a fun time and like he scored a touchdown in what four straight games so he's or I guess not against the Bengals but three of the last four he's succeeding on the field but yeah I, I get uh why people are, are frustrated with some of those antics and it's uh it's definitely frustrating when the the Steelers lose and he he doesn't play well um that being said I agree with Brian in terms of the Saints being under the most pressure just because they have the history of failing in the postseason year after year and it does feel like this is kind of their last chance not only is Drew Brees likely on the verge of retirement but the team does have a lot of salary tied to them in 2021 they're going to be in cap hell and i think it'll be very difficult for them to come out with a similar kind of team that can uh you know continue to be one of the best in the nfc a team that's going to be a super bowl contender for uh, at least the next few years now that being said i do want to kind of jump into this based on where we are and go ahead with my player under the most pressure to succeed and that is ben roethlisberger for the steelers and i think when you look at the Steelers, yes, there's a lot of pressure for them to succeed in 2020. But if you're looking at the big picture, the Steelers have always found ways to put together a championship caliber roster. And I certainly believe that 
uh, it's only a matter of time before they have that next group of great guys. You know, their next group of Heinz Wards, Troy Polamalu's, James Harrison's, TJ Watts, Cam Hayward's, Juju Smith-Schuster's, Antonio Brown's, whoever you want to throw out there. Uh, but Ben Rossberger, throughout the season, he was playing well enough for the Steelers to win games. And then something happened with him. I don't know if it was an injury. I don't know if it was him just, he was releasing the ball quickly, avoiding sacks and they were having success with it. And then defenses figured it out and exposed him because we've seen him make some plays throwing the ball downfield. Brian, you'd mentioned that with the earlier with the, the Colts in the second half. And I think if Ben comes out and struggles in a playoff game, like say he comes out and he's horrible against the Browns and he plays worse than Mason Rudolph did. Mason Rudolph threw for 315 yards and two touchdowns against that Browns team. If he doesn't come out and put up great numbers and the Steelers lose that game, there's going to be so many talks throughout Pittsburgh, throughout the NFL landscape about Rossberger being done, getting him out of there, replacing him, uh, finding a new quarterback. And I think for that reason, Rossberger is under the most pressure to succeed just because he's someone who his career shouldn't be over after this season. But if he doesn't play well in the playoffs, then uh, I think that that's something that could uh, really start to look like a reality. Yeah, uh, for individual players, I think I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. He's under a lot of pressure to convert that regular season success into postseason success, especially when it comes like to their first matchup, the Tennessee Titans. I think um, a lot of that pressure potentially is lifted once he gets his first playoff win. Uh, but until then, he still could be one of those guys where it's like, oh, you're not used to you're not built for postseason football, even though you have these amazing stats and highlight plays all season long. You're one of the most popular jersey sales, all that stuff. Um, until you turn it into real postseason success, uh, then you're always going to have kind of that asterisk next to you. It's like, well, he can't really get the job done when it matters. So I think Lamar Jackson's under a lot of pressure to be like that, that game-breaking, unstoppable player in the postseason. I mean, I'm going to stick with my answer from earlier. I'm, I I apologize for jumping out of that, to that question. But yeah, I'm, I'll stick with Drew Brees and... The fact that this is very likely is his last season and it's it's now or never in terms of getting that that second Super Bowl. And I guess another person to throw out besides Drew Brees and someone that's kind of in that territory of in terms of age uh, and more and the pressure of winning another Super Bowl and not just one, but another one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. That's I feel like that's a really yeah. obvious uh, name and term it's a way better answer yeah than drew brees. I, I sh- like you should run with yeah that that's answer. a good point it's just the saints can win without drew brees playing great the packers can't right it, I, that's Rodgers a great point it, so maybe level. i should change my answer to that because a lot of the offense obviously relies a lot on uh rogers and Devonte adams like ben said that they've been locked in th- this entire season and uh I, yeah and for rogers to uh, be I, I mean of course he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of, of all time he's he's gonna be up there and he's gonna be a first ballot hall of famer and all that but I feel like whenever people debate about that that kind of stuff there it's always gonna be a knock on him uh, that oh he's only won one Super Bowl and he hasn't made another one and he's lost several times in the NFC championship game whether that's his fault or not either either way they still haven't gotten back to the Super Bowl in I think 10 years now almost so uh so yeah, I think 
there's definitely a lot of pressure on Rodgers, especially after an MVP season. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Rosberg was kind of a homer pick for me, but Rodgers would be like very much a guy under pressure, being the number one seed, you know, given how great the season he had. Uh, it, it, he's, he's also quickly running out of chances to be able to win a Super Bowl. In terms of Lamar Jackson, though, don't you feel like the pressure is a little less this year than it could be, given that the Ravens are the oh, five seed, given that the expectations are yeah, lower? Yeah, for sure. I agree. Well, he, he, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but he hasn't won a postseason game yet, right? No, he hasn't. That, He's I played think poorly in two postseason I games. I think that if he loses to the Titans this year, that beca- I mean, the monkey is already on his back, but it, that monkey is going to turn into a baboon or even a gorilla because it, it seems like he can do whatever he wants in the regular season, and then they just shut him down in the postseason. You don't have to worry about the Ravens as long as they've got regular season Lamar leading the I way. Do agree, so, I do agree with Corey, though, that there's, I think, less pressure on him to win uh, – a postseason game this year compared to his first couple seasons when seasons when his first one he was <laughs> he was he was just starting and in, in place of Flacco uh halfway through the year and he's never had any postseason experience whatsoever and he looked uh god awful in that game until the fourth quarter and then uh last year yeah he had postseason experience in one game but there was also way more hype uh, uh around him and the Ravens that year uh, so, so last season so well I just think I think the pressure's on because he has to answer for what happened last year and because no, they shouldn't have a lot of people thought they shouldn't have lost to the Titans no and I, you know? I this is a chance at mm-hmm. redemption yeah. almost in the first yeah, round. yeah I agree yeah, with that he, I'm just saying that I, I agree with Corey season. that there's definitely less pressure on him this time around or I especially since they're a five seed no, I, I still think that Lamar Jackson is under a ton of pressure this year. I just feel like there might be other guys that have the uh, the bigger spotlight. Now, when when they're playing their game against Tennessee and everyone's watching him, maybe that pressure does kind of come back and everyone's talking about it. But Right, but I, I, I think there is some truth to that. If, if they're able to beat the Titans and they go no further, I think a lot of uh, Ravens fans will still it's not going to be something they'll necessarily hold against Lamar in the sense of like, mm-hmm. oh, he's not our guy or he can't get it done in the postseason. It'll just be, uh, you know, next season he'll get better yep. and it will have an even better chance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all it takes is just winning that one and then, you know, going from there. But, uh, you know, if he doesn't get that one, then they're certainly going to you know, still have those conversations uh, throughout the league. So, all right, um, you know, before we kind of get specific to to wild card weekend, let's just kind of throw out what are some dream Super Bowl matchups you guys would love to see this year? All right, I've got two. I've got the one where it's like, well, the first one is because it would be, I think, the best football, and I'd love to see Chiefs versus Buccaneers. Um, and this is, of course, would be the Tom Brady Buccaneers after defeating Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so we could see that matchup first. And then Mahomes versus Brady old versus new like greatest quarterback of all time versus potential greatest quarterback of all time um i think it could be a a, a lot of fun and then the bizarre i can't believe this is even possible of having happen would be browns versus football team that would be a super (laughs) bowl i'd want to see i it'd be the time it's like what is even though it's 2021 it would be the most 2020 uh super bowl matchup yeah, the the Browns football team choice is, is pretty amusing. Uh so I guess for my dream matchup, uh well first of all, like because the Patriots aren't in the course, my biggest rooting interest is of course Tom Brady. So I guess Tom Brady versus honestly doesn't even matter. Uh 
who they face in the AFC. I guess for the entertainment pur- purposes, I would say, uh, like what Ben said, Chiefs Bucks uh, for just two two quarterbacks, uh, old and new, uh, and that are just slinging it. And uh, but another Super Bowl matchup that would be great, and I think would be the favorite, uh, the two favorites, Chiefs Packers, the two pro- arguably the two best quarterbacks. Or not arguably, they probably are the two best quarterbacks right now, uh, and both of them both of them uh, are just super fun to watch. Even though I'm not a Chiefs or a Packers fan whatsoever, they're both uh, Mahomes and Rodgers are so fun to watch. I'll admit, and I think it'd make a super entertaining Super Bowl. And I I like offense more than defense. I can't help it. So, uh, so my first ring interest is uh, Brady over anything, but. Uh, if if the Bucks weren't to make it, Chiefs Packers would be super fun to watch. Uh, and now I know you asked for dream matchup. My for in terms of nightmare matchup, uh, <laughs> I I certainly have Browns, those, So go ahead with your Browns, uh, Bears. My two least favorite quarterbacks <laughs> in the league going at it for the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I, I I don't know if I can. I don't know who I'd root for. Uh, I I think I would just. <laughs> maybe not watch because <laughs> i don't know I, I would i would hate that super bowl because i know you guys would give me a lot of crap for those if those two <laughs> if those winning. two teams and those two quarterbacks were to happen to make the super bowl <laughs> i i would lose it so i guess that'd be my nightmare matchup uh out of any of them so yeah my uh so i mean my dream i guess from a personal perspective steelers bears or steelers rams <laughs> like i don't know i say steelers washington but they already lost to them this year so i don't know if uh they they can get them a second time but uh that's certainly an unrealistic one so i think if just looking at it from a an unbiased perspective i would say chiefs packers over chiefs box just because we saw Mahomes Brady play this season. Last year, we were supposed to see Mahomes Rodgers, but we were robbed because Mahomes was injured. Yeah, so was I think Matt it'd be cool Moore. to see them, especially <laughs> given that uh, you know Rodgers has only won one Super Bowl. Mahomes has, he won last year, but he's still sitting on one. It's one of those, okay, can Mahomes get to two before Rodgers even gets to two? Or is Rodgers going to get the best of Mahomes? And uh, I think that that would be a fun one to see. Um in terms of nightmare matchups, well, there's there's two of them. There's the the Bucks against the Ravens <laughs> or the Bucks against the Browns because I I definitely don't want to be in a position where I'm rooting for either one of my AFC North rivals or Tom Brady to win the Super Bowl. And less of a nightmare matchup just because like I wouldn't be as upset about this. Uh, but certainly something to throw out there: the uh, Le'Veon Bell versus Antonio Brown Chiefs. Bucks matchup is kind of nightmarish, but I would be totally okay with uh, Le'Veon Bell winning a Super Bowl because I'm not as upset about him leaving Pittsburgh as I am AB leaving Pittsburgh. Fair. I, I, right. I actually didn't prepare a nightmare matchup because I actually want yeah. the Browns to play Washington in the Super Bowl. That would be excellent. But <laughs> yours would probably be Seattle. Definitely Seattle and uh, against the Steelers because. Uh, the Steelers already have too many Lombardis. It can't be piling up even more. Uh, or else yeah. the 49ers will never catch them. So that would be my nightmare matchup, Steelers-Seahawks. All right. So uh, let's let's kind of get focus here on uh, what the NFL is calling Super Wild Card Weekend. So we have six games this weekend. And let's kind of focus on 
two that we're most excited about. Let's start in the AFC. What's the matchup you're looking forward to the most in the AFC? Uh, my favorite matchup is Ravens Titans. I think it's going to be the highest scoring uh, of all the games in Wild Card Weekend, and I think it could be could be the closest one as well. And it's two teams that have faced each other twice already in the the past year and. Like I said earlier, the Titans have gotten the best of them, but I think this is a chance for the Ravens to uh, get some redemption. Uh, third time's a charm, and uh, I, I I think it's I think that game is going to be easily the most, in my opinion, at least the most entertaining. So uh, Ravens Titans for me. Yeah, I'm going to echo that. This time the home field is reversed, uh, and you can take from that what you will in the year of covid but um especially in tennessee where it's especially bad but i think there's a lot riding on like we talked about uh lamar jackson uh and the titans aren't a bad football team i I love derrick henry you guys know this uh the derrick 2k as they've been calling him uh ever since he eclipsed the 2000 yard mark this past season for a second consecutive rushing title. Uh, seeing a freak like that go up against another freak like Lamar Jackson is always entertaining, and I think that's probably the marquee matchup uh, in the AFC. Even though he gets four games a year versus the Jags and the Texans, still really impressive that he got 2,000 two <laughs> rushing yards. <laughs> the uh, the Titans and the Ravens is definitely a very exciting one. Uh, obviously, you have the narratives from last year's playoff game. Um, I'm very surprised that the NFL decided to put this one as the ESPN. Oh, I game, agree. The, uh, the uh, typical AFC South, but I guess the, the Titans fit that category. Um, that being said, I mean, it is from a personal perspective, obviously Steelers Browns, but that's still one of the biggest rivalries in NFL history of Cleveland making the playoffs for the first time in 18 years going up against their arch rivals. The last time the Browns made the playoffs, they were the six seed against the three seeded Steelers. They blew a huge lead and ended up losing on a, a touchdown in the final minute of the game, just a heartbreaking loss. And I don't think that a lot of people expected that to be the last time the Browns made the playoffs for the next 18 years. Uh, so you certainly have those narratives. Ben Roethlisberger's owned Cleveland throughout his career. He hasn't been playing the greatest football of his career, though, recently. So what are we going to get out of this one? It's in the Sunday night time slot for a reason. So to me, uh, you know, from both a personal perspective and just from a non-biased perspective, I think Steelers-Browns is the most interesting of the AFC. So what about the uh, most exciting matchup of the NFC? So I'm going to go with uh, Bucks versus football team. And there is obvious bias towards that. But it's also because if you look at the other two matchups, you look at Saints-Bears, I have no faith in the Bears. And I think if the Saints get Kamara and Michael Thomas back, they should roll the Bears over. And I And then for the other matchup, like we mentioned earlier, if... If Jared Goff is not going to make it for uh, for this weekend, and if Cooper Cup is still dealing with his COVID issue, uh, I I don't know how the and I don't know how the Rams uh, beat Seattle at Seattle, especially when they had Goff just a couple weeks ago in that game versus Seattle, and they did not play well. And uh, so I'm going to go with Washington versus Tampa, and one because of obvious bias, but two because I'm not super intrigued by the other two NFC matchups. 
Yeah, exact same opinion. Like the if you watch the Niners Seahawks game, which if you're not a Niners or Seahawks fan, I don't know why you would have, but uh this past week the 49 I mean the Seahawks played terribly for the majority of the game, but the 49ers were starting third string quarterback CJ Beathard who even when given a wide open George Kittle in the end zone, couldn't connect. Classic backup quarterback problems. Uh, they, you, you're not going to be able to put away the Seahawks. You're not going to be able to stop late game Russell Wilson, especially in the postseason, if your offense is misfiring as a result of a backup quarterback. So I, I just I feel like it's really tough to get excited about these other matchups. I think that seeing Chase Young chase Tom Brady around. We've seen that even when Tom Brady is is on his game, a really good pass rush can cause problems for him. I think that that at the very least is, a, is an exciting premise, whether football team really gives him a challenge is yet we'll, you know, we'll have to see, but that's as close to as, exci- as exciting as I can get in the NFC. Yeah, I'm not going to try to pretend it's anyone other than uh, Tampa, Washington, really for the same reasons you guys are throwing out there. The only other one I can make an argument for is New Orleans, Chicago, and that's specifically if you watch the game on Nickelodeon and you get to see the slime <laughs> in the end zone and SpongeBob and Patrick celebrating the uh, the touchdowns. But I don't plan on watching that game on Nickelodeon, so uh, I'm also going to go with Tampa, Washington, just seeing Alex Smith play a playoff game. Uh, just a remarkable comeback, and of course you have the the narrative with Tom Brady. Plus, Tom Brady playing in prime time. He hasn't been great in prime time this year. He hasn't been great against playoff teams. Uh, this will be a, a, an early test against a team that, yes, they're seven to nine, but they have a great defense. And the seven to nine Seahawks beat the Saints in 2010. So there's precedent that a underdog sub 500 team can pull out a victory in the playoffs i I just like how uh tom brady he's like good against bad teams until one of the bad teams is just crowned like a playoff competitor and now suddenly he won't like this is a potential he won't (laughs) play as good because it's like Uh, oh no there's they're a playoff team now (laughs) well to be fair he they barely beat the giants in on monday night football and and oh no no no, everything you said is totally solid i just think it's hilarious Uh, to the the nfc east is so bad at just looking at their record that was another reason why i was ready for washington because if washington lost then the giants would be in the playoffs at six and ten, and they'd be facing Brady, Brady versus the Giants. I did, I did <laughs> not want, want that at all. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah, I know. I I loved the idea of the Giants beating Tom Brady in the playoffs one last time, but I don't know if it was realistic anyway. So we'll see what Alex Smith can do. Um, I guess you know. That being said, let's get into our predictions for each game. So let's uh let's start with the Saturday one o'clock, the Buffalo Bills against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, give me the Bills. Do I need to say by certain score? You can say margin of victory if you want. You can throw out a score yeah, if you um, want to, but I, the thir- I haven't thought that far ahead, so don't feel like 34-20 uh, Bills. Wow, okay. I'll go Bills. Uh, yeah, I mean, thought, uh, Bills by seven. I'll just keep yeah, it Yeah, I'll bills just do by, by margin, so by 14. Yeah, I, I also like the Bills in this one. I think the Bills are going to come out on fire, and they're going to win this one by at least three scores. Oh. So wow. let's say Bills by 17. All right. All right. Saturday, 440. You have the uh, Seattle Seahawks against the Los Angeles Rams. Classic NFC West battle between Russell Wilson and John Walford. Who are you guys <laughs> taking? I think the Seahawks will win this one, but in a, a like slightly disappointing uh, uh, showing, I'm saying Seahawks by 10. Uh, I'll go something similar where even though the Seahawks should 
handle the Rams uh, with, uh, when they're facing Walford. I actually think it'll be low scoring and kind of close. I'll say by seven uh, for the Seahawks. So I, I'm, I'm going to take Seattle by 14, not because I think the Seahawks are going to be a dominant force, but I think the Rams are just going to struggle to score points. This could be kind of like a 24 to 10 Seattle win. All right, and then the last game of Saturday night, the one that we were just talking about, the Washington football team hosting Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I'll I'll go Bucks over Washington, but I will say by three. I will say that I will have a heart attack for fifty nine and a half minutes of that of that game, and Washington makes it a uh, makes it a ball game. But I, I'll say that the Bucks squeak it out. I think Washington, even though it's seven nine, I think they're better than people give them credit for. I think they've had a great defense. Uh, Gibbs. They beat the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. Obviously, they're yeah. a fantastic football <laughs> and, team. Like, they belong yeah, here. And, and Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin have been great, and Logan Thomas has come on of late, and they have Alex Smith leading him, and not Dwayne Haskins going to strip clubs. And now, uh, I, I think Washington will make it a ball game, but I'll say the Bucks uh, squeak it out by three. I I think that Washington will make it a football game. Um, They are a football team after all, but I think Tom Brady will pull away and leave no doubt winning by 14. So I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would look at the numbers. Uh, One in five against playoff teams, two in five in games that kick off after 3 p.m. local time. One and oh, as a seven and nine football team in the playoffs, everything is lining up Washington, which means that the Bucks are going to win this one by 21. But <laughs> give me Washington by four as my hopeful one. Uh, realistically, I'm prepared for the Bucks to come out and just destroy this team and get all hopes up. But Washington by four, Bucks by 21. All right, let's switch to the uh, NFC. And Sunday at one o'clock, the Tennessee Titans hosting the Baltimore Ravens. I'm gonna go with the Ravens. I'm gonna say third time's a charm. They, uh, they get the best of the Titans even on the road, and I'll say by, uh, I'll go six. I'm gonna say Baltimore wins in overtime on a touch. So I'll just go. I'll go bold with the the ending of the game, but in terms of who scores, um, Lamar, I guess for for at like the how far one yard line. <laughs> What what uh what hash mark is it in the middle? Oh. Is it lined up on one of the hash marks? I'll go right hash mark. Yeah. Okay. Go super bold with that one. Yeah. Well, I'm also going to go with the Ravens. I think they win, but I think this is a uh, this one goes down to the finish. But and it go it comes down to the leg of the most reliable kicker. Uh, that in my opinion, uh, Justin Tucker will. Kick the game winner as the clock expires, giving the breaking the tie and giving the Ravens the win by three. He really is the one kicker in the league where even if you're li- he's lining up for a 57 yarder for in the late in the fourth quarter, uh, I still expect it to go in. Yeah, I'll certainly be rooting for Tennessee in this one, but like you guys, I do think Baltimore wins a close one. I don't necessarily think it'll be on a game winning walk off field goal, but I do think the Ravens win by three points. All right, the uh, Sunday 440 Nickelodeon game, New Orleans Saints against the Chicago Bears. I think SpongeBob wins by two Krabby Patties. <laughs> with a football playing king in space with a mustache on their team, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, but for real, I think that the uh, the Saints will um, roll over the Bears. I think they win by 17. Uh, yeah, I'll go Saints over the Bears by... I'll, I'll go three touchdowns. Okay, I'm going to say the Saints by 20. So it sounds like we're all pretty high on New Orleans in this one. Uh, finally, the last game, Sunday night football, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be by, uh, what, four or five touchdowns like in their first matchup, uh, but I don't think it'll be by two points either like yesterday. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Steelers by 10. I think that the Browns had to go through a lot just to break the, like, making the playoff streak. Um, and I don't know if uh, it's going to be make or break for them to win. I don't know if they're going to be as motivated as maybe these Steelers are to, to have that postseason success. I think it's a good game, but I still think that the Steelers comfortably can beat the Browns. I'll take the Steelers by 14. You know, this week 17, the Browns had everything to play for. The Steelers had very little to play for. And that was shown by Ben Rossberger not even making the trip along with TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Terrell Edmonds was out. Even the kicker, Chris Boswell, they gave him a rest because he was dealing with a groin injury. Uh, no Marquise Pouncey on the offensive line. And the, the Steelers were playing already a few backups. And they still kept it two points. They still sacked Baker Mayfield four times with practice squad players and rookies and guys who aren't even part of the normal rotation. There's no reason that the Steelers should lose this game, but I am absolutely terrified because there is no reason the Steelers should have lost to Jacksonville in 2017 and then Blake Bortles happened. And there is no reason the Steelers should have lost to the Bengals a couple weeks ago and that happened. Uh, that being said, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take the Steelers to win. I don't even want to throw out a point total and a margin. I'll just be happy with any number greater than zero and Pittsburgh at least advancing to the divisional round. I love the all idea right. of Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> hanging out with Cam Hayward and all those other guys on you know on Sunday, and then one of them turning on the TV it was like, God, "We had a game today. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are we all doing here? They, nobody told me. <laughs> we're, uh, at least we're winning." <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, and then finally, Super Bowl predictions. Uh, so, do we have to pick the winner as well, or are we just picking the matchup? You can just pick the okay, matchup. I'm, I'm going to go chalk. I'm going to go Chiefs-Packers. I'm going to also go Chiefs-Packers. You know, before the season, I said Ravens-Saints. I do think the Ravens can go on a surprise run, but I'm also going to take the Chiefs, but I'm going to keep the Saints because I picked them at the start of the season. I want to be right about something. So, <laughs> Chiefs-Saints. Uh, all right, so that will do it in terms of the NFL playoffs. Uh, before we uh, wrap up our football talk, though, we did have a number of head coach openings open up uh, with some earlier in the season, others uh, yesterday or today. Uh, Brian and I had said that there would be 13 potential head coach openings. I think the final number comes in at seven. Uh, and it's still possible maybe you'll get uh, another name or two pop up later in the week. But there's certainly a lot of teams that have chosen to keep around a head coach. Uh, so I guess looking at that, what is your most surprising or disappointing either firing or non-firing decision 
of uh, the past couple days. So I think we went on enough about Doug Peterson. So I'm not. I'm gonna pass on him because I think that's. I think he should be fired. I think. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think. I think Doug Peterson after what happened, not just not just the game yesterday, but everything that's happened this year. The Eagles have won. Eagles were super disappointing this season, uh, and I don't think it was all Wentz's fault that the Eagles were as bad as they were. I think some of that has to do with the coach. So Doug Peterson would be my number one choice, but I don't think that's uh, super bold. Uh, the other guy that I'm s- sort of surprised by that's still sticking around is Zach Taylor on the Bengals. Uh, I know that the past couple of seasons, he hasn't had a great roster whatsoever, and he's in a tough division, and Joe Burrow gets hurt, who which really sucks because I'm a huge fan of him, and uh, that definitely hurts for the their organization. Uh, but he does have less wins than Adam Gase. And do I need to tell you how bad Adam Gase was for the Jets the past couple seasons? I mean, combined six wins uh, for the past two seasons for Zach Taylor. I, just not, 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 not great results. So I'm a little surprised that he's still there. But at the same time, maybe I can make a case that maybe they should stick with him if uh, their roster is as, as bad as it is. So I'll go with him. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really have a lot of strong feelings about uh, who got fired and who didn't. Like, I, I felt like for the most part, it's pretty logical. But I guess I could make the case for Anthony Lynn. Oh, uh, he was uh, he got he was fired. Oh, OK. He, yeah, was, he, fired. Was, he was fired. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and just because, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you can't even see that what these coaches do, like locker room presence and, and, and just the way they conduct themselves. I don't know any of that stuff about Anthony Lynn, but. Um, I know that he had a pretty good team back in 2018. He coached a pretty good team in 2018. Uh, they went tw- 12 and four this season. He went against all odds, uh, you know, starting off the year, deciding Tyrod Taylor was his man. And then uh, somebody hired a hitman that came and stabbed him in the lung, <laughs> pretending to be a team doctor. So um, that's pretty tough to deal with and having to rely on your backup rookie quarterback to come in and uh, start earlier than you were expecting. Uh, you know, he's I think he did a great job at least fostering potentially having a role in the foster of uh, like the development of Justin Herbert, who ended up being amazing, probably offensive rookie of the year. Uh, you know, they're trending in the right direction under his uh, leadership, in my opinion. And overall, he has a 33 and 31 record uh, with his team. So, uh, you know, he's won more games than he's lost. So if I had to, again, I don't feel that strongly about it, but if I had to make the case for the unjust firing, I think I'd go with Anthony Lynn. I don't think that there's any guys who were fired that I think was a bad move. I mean, in terms of the ones that were let go, it was Adam Gase, Doug Barone, who were the two worst teams in football. And then Anthony Lynn, who, yes, he had a lot of success in 2018, but this team blew how many leads throughout the season uh just so many terrible head coaching decisions it seems like lynn is a great guy and i certainly hope he gets other opportunities but uh it did not seem like he was a guy who was going to take the chargers to the promised land and uh in thinking in terms of surprise guys you know brian mentioned him doug peterson is one where i think he still could be fired he's meeting with the uh owner is it jeffrey lorry the owner yeah, of the eagles tomorrow Something like that. And uh, Zach Taylor is another one that I'm surprised. But I guess when Marvin Lewis got 15 years, oh, that's uh, a good point. shouldn't be too surprising that Zach Taylor is getting more than two. Um, so for me, though, the I think the most disappointing one is one that can still happen 
one that if it doesn't happen, I understand why, but it's still frustrating. And that is Matt Nagy with the Chicago Bears. And I think that Nagy should have been fired four weeks ago. Brian and I talked about this. The Bears were five and seven. They lost six in a row. They just lost to the Lions when they were up by 10 points with under five minutes to go in the game and had the football. How do you lose that game and keep your job when your team had just lost the five games right before that? It felt like the defense, maybe they hadn't totally given up on him, but they weren't playing the greatest football. And then all of a sudden, three games in a row, they beat a really disappointing Houston Texans team and they go out and beat the Minnesota Vikings who were also fairly disappointing. And then they destroy the Jacksonville Jaguars who had no interest in winning the game before just getting killed by the Packers, but they barely make the playoffs. So all of a sudden they're probably going to keep Nagy for another year. They're probably going to keep GM Ryan pace unless things really get ugly in the Sunday's game against new Orleans. Uh, I just think it's very disappointing because the Bears were a team that was looking very strong in 2018. And after that double doink, things have just gone south very quickly for them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say that I'm a Bears fan or anything, but I definitely have been kind of partial to them because I've been pretty strong with takes in favor of Chicago in the past couple of years. So just seeing this team just go through NFL purgatory is uh very very disappointing and knowing that it's going to continue for at least another year is got to be frustrating for Chicago fans do you think that if the NFL doesn't change the playoff format that Matt Nagy still has a job today I don't think so I think that the Bears end up missing it I think he gets fired so you know if, if like if going out and getting killed by your rival twice uh in the same season and then going out and barely making the playoffs as a seven seed and losing to it isn't enough to say, Hey, maybe this team really shouldn't be a playoff team. And maybe Matt Nagy and Ryan base really didn't do a great job constructing this roster and coaching this roster. You know, I mean that it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. I feel the bears. I'm so. wondering what the long-term effects of having two extra playoff spots will be on the coaching carousel. Will there be less coaches in general, like over time that get fired just because there's more of these fringe guys who are like, Hey, listen, I know that we have, we're below 500, but I'm a playoff caliber coach. So you can't fire me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that uh, has been talked about across other sports. I know when the uh, NCAA was thinking about expanding the men's basketball tournament beyond 68, going to like 96, is that something that's going to keep coaches' jobs because you make it as a 20 seed? <laughs> so I think you could see absolutely see the same thing in the NFL. And that's certainly something we could see if Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and Mitchell Trubisky and all these guys keep their jobs next year because they managed to put together a, an 8-8 eight and eight season and <laughs> barely make the playoffs when they shouldn't have any other year before it's this. It's wild that the other two seven and nine teams to make the playoffs. Ron Rivera was on was the coach for the Panthers when they went seven and nine. Now he's the coach for the the football team. Oh yeah, seven eight and oh, one. Oh my bad, seven eight and one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Also, can we just say, um, like, early, I know this is going way back to our predictions and stuff, but when we were talking about the hirings of 
the head coaches for the Cowboys and the Redskins. We had you guys were a little bit more jazzed about the Mike McCarthy to the Cowboys than I was. But Ron Rivera to the Redskins, I never expected him to succeed. Redskins, Washington football team. I never. They were the Redskins at the time. To be fair, I never expected him to have success in such a dysfunctional organization, despite how good of a head coach he is. But he has even battling cancer during the season. He was able to. Uh, you know, get them to the best spot in that division. Um, and I think he deserves immense credit for that, no matter what happens in the postseason. He's just he's an amazing head coach. Oh, he absolutely does. I mean, the thing is, for every horrible negative story that has come out of Washington in the last six months, they've had two awesome stories with Alex Smith and Ron Rivera. Yes. Uh, I Also, I was not super high on Mike yeah, McCarthy hiring I, with I Dallas. Was, I thought it was better than Jason Garrett, but I did not. I said Matt Rule was the best hire. Fair and, enough. Uh, I won't put really words in your mouth, start. but um, I, Brian, I, I think so said Mike McCarthy. I, will, I wasn't, I don't know if jazzed up is the right word. I'm just saying that. I, that anyone over Jason Garrett would have made me jazzed up. <laughs> so even Mike McCarthy, right. who I, is even a bigger stiff than I realized. Uh, even yeah. just anyone other than Jason Garrett would have made me jazzed up for uh, the Cowboys. And I mean, he's a I Super Bowl, former Super Bowl winning coach. And I'll admit that's probably mostly because of Rodgers, but he did win a Super Bowl. So uh, right. I, I thought it would help for this year. Uh, yeah, it's going back to my horrible Cowboys uh, prediction. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I think we yeah. the conclusion on that was addition by subtraction <laughs> by removing Garrett. But uh, I, I think I just uh, – w- if Ron Rivera can do this with Washington football team, just imagine what he could have done with all the weapons he would have had in Dallas. But instead, they went with the uh, Super Bowl winning head coach, and then you saw you, – you see how that's going so far. But, I, but again, let's get back to where we were. I was just bringing that up because we were talking Ron Rivera. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we spent all this time talking firings. Uh, we're going to have some hirings in the, the coming days and the coming weeks. So uh, of all the head coaching, head coach opening jobs, which one do you think is the best? Maybe the most attractive to the top candidates out there? Uh, so I think Eric Bieniemy on the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, should have a job. I think he should have had one last year. Uh, now, in terms of which team, uh, I, d- does Houston have a job opening or is? Yeah, yeah. I will say Houston. Yeah, I think definitely. Eric Bieniemy uh, helping Deshaun Watson could really help. I know Deshaun Watson's already amazing, but I feel like uh, I think Ben talked about this earlier. The rest of the team blows, <laughs> and I think having some sort of good coaching standard. Uh, with Bienemy there, I think could really help uh, Watson and the rest of the team. So I I agree with you. I think Eric Bienemy to Houston would be great for both parties. But it's not who is the best head coaching candidate. What's the best? Which team has the best opening? Oh, like which, which team? What's has like the, the most, most attractive appealing? job out yeah. there? And, and Honestly, yeah. I um, <laughs> I might say them just because I wouldn't. So out of the ones open, what's it's the Jets, Jags, uh. Char- Chargers, Texans, Chargers, Texas, D- Detroit, Falcons, Lions. You know what? I, th- uh, you know what? I'll say Chargers. Uh, I I think with Justin Herbert, the way he played this year, and the fact that it's L.A., I'm sure a coach uh, uh, would love to go there to with a great quarterback or potentially great quarterback and a great location in the warm weather. And 
a big spotlight in LA. So I'll say the Chargers uh, in terms of best yeah, options. I agree. That's what I think is the best uh, head coaching uh, opportunity. You could you get Justin Herbert, you get Joey Bosa, you get Keenan Allen, you get Derwin James, uh, you know, and other solid players. Plus, you have some decent cap space to play around with if you want to re-sign the likes of Melvin Ingram or Hunter Henry, or potentially go out and get some other guy that you think you, you might need in free agency. Um, they've got a decent cap space situation and a solid core. Um, I I think you want that's a great opportunity where there's a lot of opportunity for growth and an upside. So I think this is kind of a 1A and 1B situation because in Jacksonville, you have the number one overall pick. You have the opportunity to draft a transcendent quarterback in Trevor Lawrence and have him be your guy for the next 15 years if you get really lucky. You also have $100 million in cap space. You have an opportunity to rebuild a roster. Now, I think these are things that maybe make it more appealing for a general manager than for a head coach. But if you have a GM who comes in and does a great job, it'll make potentially the head coach's life easy. In Los Angeles, though, you have those things already. You have Justin Herbert, who looks like that franchise quarterback, a guy that you can trust to lead your team for the foreseeable future. And like Ben said, you have a solid core. You have a lot of guys. You have some wily veterans, and you have a lot of young studs like Joey Bosa and Derwin James on defense. But I'm going to lean Jacksonville for the simple reason in that the Chargers have been a head coach away from being a Super Bowl contender since they fired Marty Schottenheimer in 2006 after going 14-2 and and losing to the Patriots in the playoffs. Feels like the Chargers are a cursed organization. That something's going to go wrong. Oh, in the Jacksonville Jags might aren't. not be that much better. They might not be that much better. I but they don't have just like horrible things happen to them the yeah. way that the Chargers do. So I think for that reason, I'm going to throw Jacksonville out there as the top top job. In researching this, I saw Jacksonville at the top of most lists. I mean, if you look at them in just raw resources at your disposal it's jacksonville by a long shot if you look Mm -hmm. at trevor lawrence as the sure thing that most people agree that he is you've got your quarterback you got an extra first rounder via the rams you got an extra second rounder via the vikings you're projected to have the most cap space in the entire league so you're in a great spot for a rebuild you can do an expeditious rebuild and get back to being a serious contender uh if you've if you're a good coach Here's my big caveat, though. I saw this tweet from uh, Michael DeRocco from ESPN. I don't know if you guys... You guys generally have a better knowledge of reporters. Somewhat familiar. I recognize the name. Well, he tweeted earlier today, Jaguars owner Shad Khan said he had roster control in 2020 and will make sure GM coming in knows he will keep that control for now. And that to me... I did see that. That's not like a little like red flag that you wave at a parade. That is a huge, like waving gigantic red flag that they have over the of the over the Ford dealership on the interstate. This is a gigantic problem when Shad Khan decides he wants to draft his guy with that extra first round pick, not one of the, the guys. That, and he's he owns a soccer team too. Like he's this guy's multi sports. I'm just a rich guy who wants to put my fingers in my sports teams. 
that's a problem. And it's that kind of mismanagement from the top that prevents a team like Jacksonville from to being able to ever turn it around. So for me, that's what makes me say, no, definitely not Jacksonville. Please send me to LA so I can hang out in that really cool new stadium and actually run a football program and not some billionaire's side project that he does for, that he messes up for fun. Yeah, ownership is definitely a huge negative in Jacksonville. I understand their caveats that come to the Jaguars. Um, all that being said, it sounds like Jacksonville is very interested in bringing in Urban Meyer as their head coach. How do you guys feel about that? If you're good enough at football, you can be forgiven for anything, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I, honestly, I have, I have no idea. He's been a college coach for as long as I can remember with Florida and Ohio State and I, Utah. He's been with Utah, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was at Utah yeah. before. I. I honestly have no idea. I mean, I'll be interested to see what happens, but I, I have no idea just because he's never been in the end, had any NFL experience whatsoever. And I guess the biggest, the best comp to him, Nick Saban, I know he's been a long time, great coach for Alabama and won numerous national titles, but his stint in the NFL, he was with the Dolphins, uh, another another team in the state of Florida. Uh, not that that really matters, but uh, he <laughs> he his short stint in Miami did not go well, and he took Culpepper over Breeze, and and after a couple seasons, he just went back to college and didn't really have much success in the NFL. The best, uh, co- arguably the best college football coach of all time, didn't have success in the NFL, and I just wonder if something similar to hap- would happen with Urban Meyer. Yeah, I mean, I I think just looking at it from the football perspective, Urban Meyer is one of the greatest college coaches ever because he's a phenomenal recruiter, because he can take amazing talent, put it all together and make it work. You don't have that same kind of benefit in the NFL. So uh, I think for that reason, I'm not sold on Urban Meyer. And if Urban Meyer does become the head coach of the Jaguars, I won't say that's the, the best hire, even if I think it might be the best opening. So... Uh, we'll see, though. I'll be a little surprised if it ends up happening. I feel like Urban's next job is me in college, but you know, there's enough rumors out there that it's worth mentioning. Uh, okay, so real quickly before we wrap it up, what is the worst head coach opening? I, I think there's a couple bad ones, but I'll go with Detroit. Uh, turning this franchise around is is a Herculean task. I mean, they're still, I believe they're the only team that has never gone to the Super Bowl still. No, they're Detroit, Cleveland, Houston, Jacksonville. Yeah, okay, I think those four. Okay, um, they're the only they're NFC still, team, right? Well, they've, still, they've been around for a long time. They're much so. older, yeah. A- anyways, there, there's there's a lot of work to be done on this roster. the the whole The whole Patriots 2.0 project at this point, I think, can be called a failure um, in, in a lot of ways. And uh, I mean, they have solid guys like Hawkinson and Swift. Um, you know, and an aging Marvin Jones that you potentially can build around. But your first decision is, do you stick with no wins in the playoffs Stafford or do you move on? And if you move on, who's going to throw the ball for you? Um, not to mention they don't have a whole lot of cap space, just over 10 million projected. I don't know how those numbers work. I usually just believe what articles tell me. I didn't do the math myself, but it sounds like they don't have the biggest uh, budget this upcoming season. So free agency might not be the way to fix this team immediately. Just not 
um, uh, you know, it's and part of it is the mythic of Detroit of always being complete garbage. So I, I just I don't like that as a job opportunity, especially with Robert Sala being so linked with it. Uh, it really does not make me happy to hear that he potentially could go there and see his career stagnate. But yeah, it's just how I feel. I think. Uh, I'm also gonna say Detroit. I <laughs> I don't have any uh faith in them, especially since I thought this year they could squeak in the seven seed this year uh, be just like the bears that finished eight and eight and make squeak into the playoffs. But yeah, they're, they're, they're a mess. And uh, Stafford, he's always been a tough quarterback and he's been very solid with Detroit, but I don't, I don't know exactly his future is there. And if, and if he's not there after this season, then I, I don't know, like, I don't know what exactly their quarterback situation is. And even just beyond that, uh, Galladay is going to be a free agent. I don't know if they bring him back if uh, after his disappoint. I know he was injured, but still semi disappointing year. And yeah, it, a lot of the players on the team were brought in by Matt Patricia, who obviously sucked as a Lions head coach. And actually, this is a question for Ben. How do you feel about? So I know you kind of just said, but how do you feel about Robert Sala being linked there? A- another defensive. Uh, type of coach uh, where Matt Patricia, he was a defensive coordinator for the Patriots and he was not great in Detroit. And now they're bringing in uh, another defensive coordinator. The the difference I guess is, is Robert Sala is a lot better looking than, than Matt Patricia is. And <laughs> I, I guess I just want your thoughts on how, how that would work since you know him a lot better than I do. I love Robert Sala. I think he's a great defensive coach. His his career has been hard to like, in, like summarize because uh, with the 49ers, he's had some historically terrible defenses, but it was like, well, the 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 roster is historically bad. Um and then once we got a really good defense, he was able to turn it into an like an absolute world beater and we were able to win uh, even when our offense wasn't good because he was able to use good talented players to their maximum like effect uh and then even this season uh, among all the injuries he was able to the 49ers have a good defense or had a good defense in the 2020 season even though we lost nick bosa in week two uh, and i think that's part of the reason why he's getting so much interest is because he he kind of made something out of nothing uh that being said i have no idea how that would transfer to being a head coach um so i i I I really hope he sticks with the 49ers for another year because I'm confident he can be a really good defensive coach, uh, but I, I, a defensive coordinator. But um, I just don't like anybody's prospects in Detroit, especially a coach that I care about, like Robert Sala. I'm pretty sure Sala is specifically linked to Detroit so much because he's a Michigan native as well, and that there's like people from Michigan are really plugging Saul yeah, as a head coach. There. Legislators in the state of Michigan yeah. like we're we're lobbying for him and it's like, hey, we're in a pandemic. People are dying. Don't you guys <laughs> have something better to do than steal our uh, defensive quarter, uh, coordinator? Come on. Yeah. Um I I also agree that it's Detroit. I think you can kind of make a similar argument with the Atlanta Falcons just given you have a longtime veteran franchise quarterback like there's there's some uncertainty moving forward with that roster but uh, I think one thing with Atlanta you look at the NFC cell the Saints you don't know how long Drew Brees is going to be there you don't know how long the Bucks are going to have Tom Brady you don't know how soon the Panthers are going to have uh, their roster set to be a contender so I think there's a chance that Atlanta can maybe be decent the next couple years uh, but with Detroit 
I think it's an appealing GM job because you can come in and kind of reset this franchise. You can trade away Matt Stafford. You can trade away some of the other veterans. You can uh, basically construct a roster however you see fit, but I don't think that's advantageous for the head coach, uh, especially you know when you have... like Matt Patricia was brought in to improve upon Jim Caldwell, but he set things so far back that it's going to be even difficult to improve upon Matt Patricia, who was already viewed so poorly in Detroit. So uh, I just think that for that reason, it's a very unappealing job. And I could kind of make an argument for the Jets as well, especially now that they don't have the number one pick. But I think the big thing for the Jets is Adam Gase is so bad that anyone coming in is going to be a fan favorite upgrade over him. And Um, I think, honestly, yeah, missing out on the number one pick, like you make of it what you will. There are other promising quarterbacks in this draft class that people would love to have. The Jets will likely be able to get their hands on if that's the direction they want to go. Uh, I think yeah, seeing a little they bit have of, a lot of decisions to make. Yeah. I mean, th- you, that's another thing too, with the jets that make it an attractive position to be in is uh, you, you get to kind of decide your own fate and decide, do I want to move on from Sam Darnold? Do I want to draft a quarterback? You've got a chance at drafting a different position uh, at the, at a place in the draft where you could get a generational talent. So, uh, but I agree that the Falcons are probably just as bad as Detroit, especially because they're in a slightly worse place cap wise. They'll likely have to part ways potentially with uh, their starting quarterback, Matt Ryan or Julio Jones, which that would just be tough to see. I, it would be like, it's like seeing Jerry Rice play for other teams. It's like, oh man, he is such a OG for the Niners uh, to see Julio Jones, you know, catching the ball for, I don't know who somebody else or the jets it would be bizarre. Um, so, but that's likely something that could happen because of how bad they are uh, in debt right now down there in Atlanta. All right. So that will wrap things up for our NFL talk. Uh, Ben, it's always a pleasure having you on to talk football. Uh, But before we wrap things up, we do have a top five. And 2020 was a difficult year. Uh, You're very limited in terms of what you can do for the past nine months. But we're optimistic that things can be much better in 2021. Obviously, things were never going to get better overnight when the the clock struck midnight. But uh, there's, there's some promising vaccine news that has been coming out this idea that maybe this pandemic can be over sometime soon uh so for that reason we figured let's start off our first episode of 2021 and talk about the places that we most hope to be able to travel to this year in today's top five not two not three not four top five top five top five so brian why don't you get us started with your number five All right, so for my number five, I went with the city of Chicago. Now, I put this number five for a reason. I don't, I'm not going to go out of my way uh, and just get a random plane ticket to Chicago just just because. Uh, It's just, uh, when I look at the places that I've been to in the U.S., uh, and the Boston, of course, New York, L.A., and many other cities, but, but, uh, in terms of the ones I haven't been to, uh, Chicago uh, interests me the 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 most out of all the ones that I haven't been to yet, and I feel like it'd be a really great city to explore, and especially go to a maybe even a ball game at Wrigley Field uh, or other other sports to uh, attend to, and uh, so I so I put that for number five because the other four I I actually want to do or want to go to, 
so for my number four, uh, no, we're oh, doing, we're doing one, one at a time. time. Okay, my bad. Yep, yep. All right, I'll. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, well, there's a reason for that. So, um, but anyway, for my number five, kind of like you, uh, choosing one that maybe I think is the least realistic, uh, and that is Europe. And I was supposed to go to Munich and Prague and Rome in 2020. Supposed to go to Oktoberfest. Uh, obviously, that couldn't happen. The event was canceled anyway, uh, beyond just the, the travel restrictions for Americans to Europe. Uh, I don't know if it's realistic, even if we are able to travel there, just given I'm sure there'll be a lot of people trying to uh, venture outside the country, outside the continent, that uh, it may not be financially a great move to go right away maybe makes sense to wait another year or two uh that's why it's my number five if it can happen that'd be awesome i know it'll be uh, a great Oktoberfest whenever they're finally able to do it again whether it's this year or in the coming years um but it's it's certainly a place that i would not complain if i end up there in the next 365 days so number five europe my number five is lake tahoe so uh, a lot of people, they're like, hey, you know, Benjamin, you're from South Carolina. What makes you such a diehard 49ers fan? And that's because, um, you know, half of my family actually still lives out in California and uh, in, in the Bay Area specifically. And if you've ever talked to people from the Bay Area, they all love about going to Tahoe and spending some time on the lake. And, and that's a very popular vacation spot over there. And uh, through the years, my family members have bragged about it and how great it is. And I've never been. So um, I, I actually, uh, it's, we're currently in the works. We're thinking about, you know, depending on how things go this year, trying to get a trip together for me and some of my cousins to go hang out at Tahoe together. Uh, and that would be... Uh, a blast. Uh, so we'll, you know, that would be my number five, Lake Tahoe, uh, out there on the West coast. All right. So for my number four, it's not a particular place. It's really an activity and that's, uh, going to bars. And I know bars or some of them at least are technically open, but I still don't feel comfortable in actually going to them right now. Uh, and for super obvious reasons. And I know you can wear <laughs> a mask and uh, have socially distant tables and all that, but it still doesn't, I, I still don't think at this time it's actually like really fun to actually do it. Because I, I, if I were to actually go to a bar, the only thing that would be on my mind is, all right, which person here has COVID is going to get me get me sick? Yeah. <laughs> uh, who, who, which, which loser is going to get me sick and not follow the rules and all that? So uh, I... I just don't feel comfortable about that, and it sucks because I haven't been to a bar in probably uh, ten months now. At least I, it's it's been a while. Actually, yeah. Now that I, now that I think about it, I remember. Uh, so there's so Corey would know this. Uh, so there's this place called Boston Billiards in Nashville, right? And yeah. I was there uh, in middle of March, and this is basically when it all started. And I remember when I was there with my friends other friends uh i was looking on the tv and it said players championship a golf tournament has been canceled and i'm like all right we're in we're in here for the long run like that's that's when i knew like this is only gonna go south (laughs) and uh (laughs) i i i just want to go to a bar again and have uh enjoyed the experience so going to a bar going to bars (laughs) is my number four choice 
Um, so for me, I'm, my number four is uh, a place that's probably just as dangerous as bars these days, it feels like, and that is the state of Florida. And uh, the, the reason why I had this on here is like Europe, I had plans to go to Florida at some point in the year 2020. Uh, I never actually was able to uh, get anything officially organized, uh, but I was trying to make a trip to Orlando uh, I think it, the Saturday was March 28th. So if I did have everything planned together and then, you know, have COVID hit, that, I think that would have been very unfortunate. So uh, I certainly hope I can go, you know, whether it's Orlando to go drink around the world at Epcot, go to Tampa. Uh, I know Ben and I had conversations about going there in 2020 or just any beach in Florida. I think it would be great to to be able to go down vacation there. Uh, especially the end of the year, if if it's uh you know the winter months, it would be nice to escape to Florida uh, from the the colder weather that we're used to. So for my number four, it's uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and this is actually because my good friend Nick Heredia, who is a musical artist, check him out on Spotify. Uh, he just moved down to Atlanta. He's got a really nice place, and he's got a uh, studio in his uh, apartment. And um, it's not that far away. So it's a place I'd actually, I'm more excited about the frequency, the potential of being able to visit it um, multiple times. Atlanta is a really cool city. It also has a really busy airport. Uh, so has a somewhat international uh, feel to it. And um, again, it's just mainly, this is making up for lost time. Like Corey said, it's like, what are the places I was already planning on going and I couldn't go? This is one of them. Uh, and yep. I, I definitely would love to be in Atlanta, which is why it's my number four. All right. So for my number three, uh, this is another one that's kind of uh, not exactly a place, just it's an activity. It's uh, going to the movie theater. Uh, uh, like Ben, I am someone that likes to watch movies all the time. I can't explain in depth as well as Ben about movies, but I I, I enjoy watching movies a ton. And I would go probably once every few weeks or a month or so. And uh, I miss that experience, uh, especially at the local movie theater theater in, in my, uh, where I live. And, uh, and of course, Corey has been to a place called AMC where you can recline, recline back and they have the best seats. And uh, I, I enjoy doing that every once in a while. And, I would like to go back at some point, but and I know they're technically open as well, but at the same time, I do not want to go and get infected. So Yeah, last year I also at an AMC theater bought the like souvenir bucket for popcorn. Uh and it was like twenty five bucks, but I, I bought it in January because I went to I think I went to see Star Wars again. And I bought it thinking surely this will pay for itself by the time i go to this movie theater is like five minutes away from my apartment and now that the year is over i can say i have officially been ripped off <laughs> <laughs> uh i i was never a big movie theater person i like i would rarely go out to the movies i'm pretty sure the last movie i saw in theaters was joker and that was october 2019 so five months before the pandemic hit um, so it, it's definitely not in my top five, but like, I'm sure it, it's a place that is on a lot of people. It's just like one of those like simple places that it's like, everyone's going to want to go to the movies again when that's an option. 
So my number three is Williams-Brice Stadium. And uh, this is the home football stadium of the South Carolina Gamecocks in Columbia, South Carolina. And I think I technically could have gone to a game somehow. I didn't have season tickets, so it wasn't immediately offered to me as a possibility. But I never really looked into it, partially because... You know, the product wasn't all that great. We were two and eight, um, but mostly because I just wasn't interested in traveling down to South Carolina. And uh, I definitely miss being able to go to games. I've gone to, I think, at least three games every year since I graduated. It's uh, always a great experience being able to get back with uh, friends from college and watch the Gamecocks. Hopefully, I can get to see them with uh, head coach Shane Beamer taking over and, uh, writing the ship you know getting us back to to where we used to be when we were students but the thing i think i miss the most about williams rice stadium isn't necessarily the stadium itself it's the parking lot it's the tailgate <laughs> uh, always always the best part of game day is the four hours before it where you're out there drinking having a good time with your friends playing all your your favorite drinking games and lawn games and i'm uh really hoping to be able to do that again in uh 2021 Definitely big agree as a person who lives in Columbia, South Carolina, it's been uh, disappointing to say the least, but, um, sorry, I agree with you there, but for my number three, I'm, uh, continuing on my, uh, list of places I planned to go in 2020 that I need to make up for. One of them is the Baltimore DC area. Uh, I've got a lot of friends that live in Baltimore slash DC, and there's actually amazing, airports and public transit all over that area which makes a trip where you get uh, you know a lot of baltimore and a lot of dc in at the same time both uh, affordable and uh, easily accessible uh, the wet when the weather's nice these are great places to walk around on foot lots to see lots of touristy things to do and when you know folks that live there uh, you can do a lot of just cool stuff that only locals do so um, baltimore slash dc definitely my number three place i want to go in 2021 yeah, I love Baltimore. I, I've I've only been in June and September. Uh, I don't know what it's necessarily like this time of year, but I, I know it's it's awesome there in the summer. I had a, a lot of fun. Um, I went twice in 2019, didn't go in 2020. So that's certainly a place that I would like to go sooner than later. All right. So for my number two, I went with Boston. And the reason why I put that is because as someone that's as big of a Boston sports fan as I am, uh, I miss going to... Uh, even though I only do this probably a few times a year, I I like going to Red Sox game with Corey, Red Sox games with Corey and other friends, and I like going to Bruins and Celtics game as well. And I, you guys, uh, know about this, but I don't. Uh, in case anyone else doesn't, I remember four or five days before uh, Rudy Go- Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. <laughs> I was at the Celtics game when they faced the Jazz, and Rudy Gobert played <laughs> substantial amount of minutes, and I had really close seats <laughs> to the front, so I wasn't really actually worried about having uh catching COVID from 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 uh from that game or anything. But just it's just a wild uh thing to think about that the first person to test positive in the NBA, I was he was. Uh, several feet away from me, <laughs> just less than a week before it happened, and Marcus Smart as well because he tested positive too, and uh, just crazy to think about. And I, I want to go to sporting events again without worrying about uh any sort of 
uh, coronavirus or whatever. And uh, that it'd be fun to do again at some point. So I put, I, w- I was going to put Fenway Park or TD Garden, but I was like, I, I want to go to all, all those spring events. So I, I just decided to just put Boston. Yeah, I mean, you you just put Boston for number two, but I did put just Fenway Park as my number two. Uh, that this year, twenty twenty, was actually the first year I didn't go to a Red Sox game at Fenway for the first time since at least two thousand two. So uh, it's been a very long time for me. Uh, very disappointing not to be able to go to a game. And you know, I could have potentially gone to a football game in South Carolina. I couldn't have gone to a baseball game this year because Major League Baseball didn't allow fans for the regular season. So uh, definitely disappointing to not be able to go to Fenway Park. And I certainly hope that I'll be able to go back in 2021. And, uh, you know, it'd be great to go to TD Garden. I've, I've been to a Celtics game seven or eight years in a row now. And that, that streak's also very much in jeopardy. But the Red Sox streak was longer. And I love going to Red Sox games. Like Brian mentioned, we go to Uno before and you know, just hang out. And you're just sitting there for three hours. And it's a lot of just talking amongst your friends in between the occasional standing up to cheer to see if a fly ball is going to be a double or a fly out. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited uh, by the possibility of going back to Fenway and really hope that 2021 is a possibility for fans. and Every time Corey and I do baseball segments. I'll admit I, I always end up having some sort of rant on how much baseball sucks now. But the one thing that <laughs> does not suck is going to games. Those are still very, very enjoyable for me. And I, like Corey said, I, I like the tradition that we do with other, with our other friends that we go to Uno's and then we hang out at the game and talk and see everything that happens and they and they usually win too which is great as well when we go yeah yeah we've had good success brian tries to catch a foul ball from the right field grandstands which is almost impossible because there's a roof covering <laughs> over our head but you know, there's, sometimes there's a I, i've debated bringing a glove <laughs> what, what if, he gets one? <laughs> if we got if we were sitting a little bit closer yeah. maybe i would bring him but yeah it just uh, i'll admit i i'm just i just hope for the best but even if if it even were to happen, I'm sure I would get lined. A line liner would hit me in the head, and I'd end up. It would end up being bad anyway. <laughs> you feel like Drew Barrymore in Fever Pitch, just knocked knocked out from Miguel to exactly. hot line drive, yeah. just like that. That we're cheering over the guy next to catching yeah. it. Well, uh, my number two is another place I was planning on going in 2020, and that's. New York, New York, New York City, the city so nice they named it twice. The other name is Manhattan. It's uh, it's a fantastic uh, city. I mean, it's amazing um, just the size of this place. But uh, I got a little taste of New York City uh, in uh, 2019 when I went for uh, my mom's college reunion. I, I accompanied her uh, to her college reunion and we spent a day in New York City walking around. Actually, I have a friend that prior to the pandemic lived in New York City, so we got to meet up with him. There's so many cool places to explore, so much food to try, uh, so many you know iconic locations to check out. Uh, and I was there for about seven hours of actual like exploring time, which is simply just not even close to enough. Uh, I've only scratched the surface and I've, uh, you know, there's this urge inside me now to return and spend more time in New York city. So, uh, it's definitely a place I'd like to go spend substantially longer, uh, in 2021. 
And when you're talking about, uh, you know, going to your mom's college reunion, I was like, there's a big difference between West Point and New York City. What is he talking about? He got a taste of New York City by going there. <laughs> oh, well, it's the thing. We only went for the day. We had to take a yeah, train that took it. like an hour to, to each direction. Uh, but uh, it was uh, it was worth it the, for the trip just to even experience. I was one of those guys. I was like a oh, New York City is overhyped. Like my small city of Columbia, South Carolina is clearly just as good. And obviously that's that's completely false. <laughs> New York has yeah. its own, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it is its own thing. And it's really cool. So I want to I want to spend more time and check it out further. Yeah, I haven't been to New York since fourth grade. I feel like it's well past time I get back out there. So uh, maybe that's the one that that should be on one of these uh, top five year lists in uh you know one of these years. So, so our number ones, uh, who wants to throw it out there? Because it's all the same. It's Vegas, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Las Vegas. I knew when I made this list. Like I was like, this is one where we're all gonna put Vegas as our number one. Uh, Brian, you haven't even been to Vegas, right? So I have, but I was a kid when I. W- when I last okay. went, so it doesn't even count. Well, I mainly Vegas is number one on my list, uh, almost in not almost entirely, but m- largely uh, because of Corey. Because throughout my life, Corey has been the instigator of Vegas trips, and they've always been unforgettable. They've always been well planned, and they've always been uh, the result of Corey's uh, you know planning and action. So. Um, if anything, if I can if I can plan on anything happening in 2021, I would hope that it would be going into Las Vegas with Corey and many other of my friends. I would like to yep. uh, uh, join in that. Uh... Yeah, no, ev- everyone is invited. Yeah, Brian is absolutely going to be a part of this. I think realistically, October 2021, does that feel like something we can shoot for and feel pretty confident in October 2021 like everyone I is like invited the sound of that huge Vegas trip like all of our listeners you know all of our Twitter followers anyone we know that wants to make the trip out to Vegas is come one come all like I I can't wait to get back out there we went in May 2019 and uh it I, it was only a matter of time, I thought, before I went back out there. And Ben and yeah. I, in February, were talking about going to Vegas for New Year's Eve. And that, uh, you know, we, we could have just been coming back. And this is a totally different podcast. But uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that unfortunately did not happen. So um, I, I'm definitely hopeful that it's uh, at some point this year. Like, obviously, sooner than October would be great. But I feel like October is a uh, it's a realistic one. And, uh, you know, the weather should still be nice. It's We went in 2016, and it was like 85, 90 every day. So uh, certainly good pool weather, certainly good walking around weather, and not the summer heat where it's 120 degrees out in the desert. So that's the plan. Um, we'll, we'll figure out the, the dates at some point in the future. Get, but. get your shots, and then we'll do shots in Vegas, all right? Yes. Turn them. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah, October 2021, Las Vegas trip. Presented by He's Done It, sponsored by <laughs> Apple Chat. <laughs> Whatever we want to call it, it's going to happen. All right. Uh, I guess just uh, real quickly, one last parting shot. So the uh, college football playoff national championship game is happening next Monday between Alabama and Ohio State. No Clemson for the first time in a long time. So, yeah, I know Ben is very happy about that. Do you guys want to make any predictions on that one? Alabama, I think they win again. They're due. Uh, I will say the same thing, but I will 
root for Ohio State just because I I'm sick of seeing Alabama in the title game basically every year. Uh, so now, I know I know how Ohio State won five six years ago, but I mean it's not like they're in it every single year like Alabama. So I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna read for the underdog son back there since son. Yeah. So yeah, I um. I would have said, like, I, I meant to ask you your predictions for the semifinals, Brian, last time. And I would have said Clemson by three scores over Ohio State instead of Ohio State won by three scores. So uh, I'm not doubting Ohio State. I think Alabama is a better team. They're going to win. But I think it's going to be a good game. I, I don't know if it's necessarily going to come down to a touchdown at the end, but I can certainly see Ohio State playing them close. All right. So, yeah, that'll wrap this up. Ben, thank you. Uh, for coming on he's done it and uh as a reminder check out ben's twitch stream if you're listening on tuesday january 5th i'll i'll be joining him i don't know how yet but and and if you want to check out affable chat we're on all the platforms just search affable chat google the word affable space and then space chat you'll find us um and you can check out some of the other stuff i've been working on all right so for our special guest host benjamin carlson and my co-host brian wells i'm corinne Thanks, everyone.